It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Yes. We made it, Jeremy. <laughs> Always last minute here at The Net Live. Always. Monday mornings. We have to be on our game. Not everybody else is on their game at mon- in Monday morning. Monday mornings are not easy coming off a weekend of work for you and I. It is not simple stuff. Quote, unquote, work. To put together a good show. But we've done it. Welcome to the Barnett Anniversary Edition. What? Say what? Yeah. Anniversary of what? My marriage. Oh, congratulations. Still together. 13 years. What are you guys doing tonight? We are going to Little Sister in Manhattan Beach. Wife said she wanted to go there. She doesn't know. I just sent my guy, Garrett Nakagawa, from Fox Sports West on Friday nights. His family also runs a flower shop. I sent him up with flowers. No idea what they looked like. They included sunflowers and whatever else Garrett, the professional, thought necessary. And uh, a plumeria lay, which she will love. So I had all that taken up to her, and I've not gotten even a text message. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't got a thank you. Disappointing. Interesting. thought right before the show I would get a text message, but I did not. So there we go. Anyway, we'll see how that all works out. So either you could be in the doghouse for some reason. Oh, I'm not in the doghouse. By okay. no means am I in the doghouse. All right, just curious. So the Barnett Anniversary Edition is a good one. If you like college volleyball, this is going to be your show. Kathy George. And we lost a lot of listeners. Oh, sorry. Kathy George, head coach at Michigan State, up till this weekend, undefeated in Big Ten play. We'll pretend like this weekend didn't happen for a little while in that interview because they were off to such a fantastic start. They had an overall record of 6-0 and in the Big Ten up until this weekend, and they were 17-1 and wow. uh, until that point. Although this, this looks like it hasn't been updated here. Well, it has been updated. It's not correct, though. I love when they list themselves in conference as 6-1 and one in conference. No, I know you're 6-2 and two in conference because I see the two losses down here, Minnesota and Wisconsin. A couple of tough ones. So 17-3 and three I think is close to their overall We'll have to see. 17-3 is a good start. Now, for the other head coach we're going to have on this program, Wayne George, or pardon me, Wayne George, Wayne Krecklow. Wayne George. Wayne Krecklow of University of Missouri. That team is off to an amazing start, 23-0. and Wow. And 7-0 and in conference. 7-0. and they, they have not played a five-set match, not one. They're just handling their business, is what you're saying. Three and four sets on everybody. They're coming off defeat of number two Florida. And on the match that they go four, they're mad at themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We sucked. Yeah. We sucked today. I can't believe it. Yeah. That'll be my new thing. Well, you had to win in five. You obviously didn't do a good job. Obviously didn't do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we'll have Wayne Kreckler on the show, and we'll also have Jamie Gordon. Jamie Gordon's going to give us some insight into the ABCA watch list, which is just about to come out. And, Jeremy, I know you don't know what that is. I don't. But after this show, you will. Awesome. We will have Deb and Brandon, as usual. Who've been dominating, by the way. On College Volleyball Weekly, the ABCA College Volleyball Weekly. So we always look forward to that segment of the show. 
Jeremy, I understand the volleyball tournament happened this weekend. I did not see it because get your whiskey out. I was at Supercross all weekend. Oh, I, this is my broadcast weekend right here. You want to know I do. how I'm paying the bills <clears throat> around this joint? I went Thursday morning, dropped the kids off at school, took a 10 a.m. flight to Las Vegas. You were there by 1040. I was there by, yeah, about 11. Went and got to the track by about 1 mm-hmm. at Sam Boyd Stadium. Hosted their press conference from about 5 to 530. Mm-hmm. The actual conference itself, of course. Yeah. And then came, had some dinner and flew back on what was supposed to be an 810 flight, turned into an 850 flight, got home here about 1045. Okay. Went to sleep. Ish. Got up the next morning, dropped the kids off at school, came back, prep work all afternoon, or actually worked out, then prep work for Friday Night Football mm-hmm. with Fox Sports West. Mm-hmm. Did that, came home, got in bed about 1 o'clock, got up at 5 for Ooh. a flight to Vegas. Back to Vegas. Back to Vegas. Back in Vegas early. Tried to check into the Hard Rock. Jerk offs at the counter would not check me into the, the corner room. It's a corner room. You need $35 for uh, extra for a corner room. I'm like, $35 for, for an early, the next 45 minutes? For an early check-in. The guy says, I, I can't do it. I'm like, you, you can't upgrade me? Just upgrade me. Well, I can't do it for free. I'm like, no, this is Vegas. Anything's possible. Just say you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, you can. You don't want to do it. Correct. You could do it. You could do anything. Correct. So I don't check in. Mm-hmm. I go and host all day. I'm at the track from 9.30 until 11. I go back. I check into my room at 1 a.m. Lovely. Sleep until 6.30. Okay. Fly home. <laughs> that was my weekend. <sighs> then I coached football last night. And what happened to the uh, flag football Eagles? We lost 12-6. Oh. Yeah, to the Bears. Oh, the flag football Falcons now we are. but yeah. Falcons. Sorry. The bird. Yeah, we lost to the Bears. Team was terrible in the first half. I wanted to just take them all and throw them off the team, but then we had to play the second half. So we played the second half. We gave up. It was six six. We went down and scored. We missed the extra point. It was tied six six. We gave up a drive with three minutes to go. Ooh. Yeah. Now is that coaching? I made one error, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of errors by the players. It's all good, buddy. Yeah. Anyways. That's the update on my weekend, anyhow. But I understand there was a volleyball tournament that I missed. Beach volleyball, which you don't oh, know anything about. They play that? Yeah, you don't no. know anything about it. It's they okay. play six-man in that? What yeah, play? totally. Okay. So a beach volleyball tournament happened in Huntington. This is the last one of the year, or is there one in mid-December? This was it. The Smart AVP Huntington Beach Championships. Smart, huh? Smart. Wow. The uh, players' boxes on stadium court were actually two smart cars. Whoa, nice. Pretty cool. Convertibles. Cool. So tall people like Philip, whose head didn't have to poke out. (laughs) Philip. Although Phil and Rosie do have sponsorships with Smart now, and they just got their cars. Yes, you can say it. I have the same question. He fits in it like a glove. Oh, Smart cars are great for tall guys. Yeah. Yeah. Ivan Milkovich, who I played with in Italy, drove Smart car for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's basically just two front seats. Like, there's no real trunk space, so you're sitting in... It's almost it's like a normal car. It's just not very long behind you. You know? Phil fits in it great. It's quite tall, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's not like his head sticking out the sunroof. Um, but Phil and Rosie actually were the first match on the stadium court Friday morning. And, and that was it. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but the funny part to me was that Rosie, because he knows the car so well, was, like, opening the trunk and putting his backpack in there. And they're, like, little pieces that come off the car to, like 
for the convertible and stuff. He was do, moving that stuff around, putting it where it's supposed to go. And you saw other players that had no idea what to do, like their bags were on the side of the car, their towels were on the front of the car. Like Rosie had it all nice and neat because he knew what was going on. It was pretty funny. That's his sponsor. There we go. No doubt. So they have a smart car sponsorship, and they get leases, of, presumably, of smart cars. That is my assumption as well. Okay. So they're getting cash? I'm, I'm, I think it's more in the form of a check. I was having this discussion with Tom Fuhrer over at Fox, who will be appearing on this show sometime soon. Awesome. And we were talking about the sponsorship situation and what these guys could be making. Do you have any estimation for what the top guys are making external to prize money? Sponsorship-wise? Because I don't have an educated guess. That's what I said to Tom. I, I, I know fairly well some of the contracts overseas for indoor guys. I don't know how good the sponsorships are here. I do know for some people indoors that have some sponsorships, it's minimal. It's like five or ten grand, which is that's I, not really a sponsorship. That's like, I don't know. I, I don't consider that a real sponsorship because if it's not money, you can totally add to your bottom line. And yeah, ten correct. grand is ten grand, but it's not I'm with you. in the grand scheme of what these guys are making. It's nothing. Um, I would think it's... Carrie's got to be at least making in the six figures sponsorship-wise, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I, w- I was going external to Carrie. Um, so everybody else, like Casey and Jake, Phil, Rosie. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking? A hundred? Are they making a hundred between their sponsors? Sixty? I would take an educated guess from. I mean, it's a big window, but fifty to a hundred. I bet they're closer to six figures for those four guys. Yeah, I bet they're closer to six figures than. Five, uh, then 50. Okay. That would just be my guess, and I'm just, it's all hypothetical. <laughs> Apparently that made you sneeze. I was so shocked I had to Yes. Um, yeah, I would think so. I mean, I know Phil and Rosie, obviously they have Red Bull. They have Smart. Not only do they get cars, but I heard they got paid. They have sponsorship money as well. How much that is, I have no idea. Right. Um, but you would think overall... Those top guys have got to be getting close, close to six figures, if not at six figures. Between be, all their sponsors. That'd be my guess, yeah. All right. I hope that's the case. I hope so, too. I hope I it's hope, more. But, well, I wish it was more, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I hope that at least it's that because I, I did not have a reasonable guess. Now, for those guys, okay, it's a living. For sure. It's not, I don't work again money. Oh, no, 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 no. Very few people are making that kind of money anyways. Well, in other sports, but nobody in, in our sport. Carrie. That's it. Carrie Misty? Not Misty anymore. Well, not now. Right. She is working for free at USC, so maybe she does have, I don't need to work any more money. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Well, between her and Matt, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we're not, we're not concerned about, about <laughs> them. But I'd love to see more people in the sport making retirement, do whatever you want money. Of course. But the sport needs to make more money for that to happen, too. True. Okay, so that's good. Let's get to some of the action, and the discussion on Friday when I walked in the office was WTF, Phil and Rosie. Is that what you guys were texting to each other by the water cooler? Yeah. WTF. WTF. Yeah. Phil and Rosie. Yep. Seriously? One, two, barbecue. Why don't you take the little the, Uno little, the little kindling fire that I started and yeah. just throw gasoline on yeah, it right I, now? Yeah, I immediately thought of you right away when Phil and Rosie lost their second, second consecutive match in the tournament. I was like, oh, great. Barnett is now for sure going to be texting me, calling, being like, oh, so this partnership's over. 
Because there's just a full panic. They'd have one really bad tournament, and it just it'll just blow the whole thing up. Right? That's what you were going to say? Just for fodder on the show, that's how you were going to go with it? One really bad tournament? Look. I'm, I'm look, you keep talking. For everybody who is not 100% aware of the situation, Rosie's back is not healthy. That was my guess. Yeah. That, and healthy. that's what I said. I said there's no way Rosie is still healthy. Um, the first... At least the very first serve, and there were multiple in the match, Rosie um, would receive serve, and the ball would go over on one, not on purpose. And when that's happening, you know you're not getting in the correct position to receive said serve. So that means it's just – and you could tell just when he was walking and stuff like that, his back just was not 100% at all whatsoever. Why is he playing? Because that's what I said. I said there's could no way a, he's 100%. Could have been a Why sponsorship thing. His, one of his major sponsors was the sponsor of the tournament this weekend, so maybe he felt obligated to be there. He didn't. He never, and I was watching his facial expressions, there was never like a grimace of pain that I could see uh-huh. from where I was. Uh-huh. Um, but we've all, I mean, I've had back injuries before, and you just cannot, it's everything. You can't do anything. No, it, I've played with it too. And yeah. it's, it's you can't awful. bend correctly. You're just you're trying to just everything is so stiff. And also another thing too is um, I don't know how much they had practiced this yet, but Rosie moved to the right side this tournament. Um, so that's also so they're still different. so obviously they're searching for a solution. Searching, yeah. Um, okay. And another thing too, like I had some people. If you look at their results this year, they've actually had a decent year. That's well, I'm doing that right now. Keep going. They won some AVP events. They won. Some, they won one. They won one. First one of the year. They've uh, done well FIVB to start the year. They won the Long Beach event that was here. Um, overall, like it obviously didn't end the way they wanted to end, but if you look at it on paper just by numbers, they had a decent season. Here are their finishes. AVP. Are there that, this many tournaments? Seven. I have more numbers than seven. How'd that happen? One, two, I don't know what you did. Three, four, five, six, seven. I guess I wrote seven. Like more. It's good radio. AVP. Uh, they won the first term of the year, then finished second, third, second, third, fifth, thirteenth. I'd agree with your assessment there. Yeah. FIVB. First, ninth, seventeenth, first, ninth, fifth, first, ninth. And if the pattern holds, let me see if I can go back to my math books. They're back to maybe winning this weekend. <laughs> no, they would get 13th if they were. Gotcha. Yeah, the FIVB in China. I'm gonna I'm gonna pencil in a 13th. Okay. Because it's one nine seventeen, and I'm not even 100 percent positive Rosie is going to that one nine five. So one nine thirteen would fit pretty well. There you go. Maybe maybe one nine eleven. Now those <laughs> numbers you all rattled off are more what I thought would happen to Jake and Casey this year. Well. Up and I mean, just yeah. up and down like that. You had great tournaments, you had down tournaments. Just figuring your partnership out. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to to throw gasoline on the fire, <laughs> but nothing to panic with here. His back's hurt. His back's hurt, and that's exactly what I was in my discussion with Tom. I said, "Well, his back's hurt. He's got to play for sponsors. He's got to play for some other reason that he has to be out there." And so he gets out there, and that's what happens. If you're not 100, percent well, the sharks will eat you up. And it's not like. I mean, they're playing good teams. It's not like they were playing... That's what, I, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's not like they're playing nobody. They're out there playing legit teams, and uh, it's going uh, to be tough. Yeah, it's not an NBL. hey oh hey Um Thanks to BJ Evans, Casey and Jake, Todd Rogers with Theo Brunner are the U.S. men's teams this uh, in China. Casey and Jake. Yep. And Ro- Theo. And Raji. And Raji. 
Yep. Oh, Theo and Raji. Yep, Theodore. So what happened to that partnership? Is it over? Uh, Theo and Nick. Or Doherty Rogers. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Doherty Rogers partnership is over. Okay. You don't have confirmation? I don't have confirmation. Um, and as for Nick and Theo, not 100%. Um, I know there's a reason why Nick wasn't going, but let's get back to this for a moment. Nick and Theo won this weekend. Congratulations to them. Nick's first win since 2010 and Theo's first win, period. Nice. Yeah. Well, people have been talking a lot about Theodore. He's gotten better all year. He's one of those guys that uh, people think he's going to have his choice in partners next year if he does not decide to stay with Nicholas. Well, what would Nicholas do then? Could Nicholas go back to Phil? You got You give him a phone call, don't you? If things, yeah, I mean, worst, what's the worst you can say? No. I think a couple guys are calling Phil. Sure, of course. Nick and Casey. Casey busts out the speed dial. Pat, I'm talking about Jennings. Casey Jennings, yeah, of not course. Patterson. Of course. I called Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now, so, you're, now so, you're just being silly. For some reason, he hasn't returned my call. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand <laughs> what the issue is. I'm in every single finals, men and women, every single weekend. I don't know what else I have to prove. Listen, I can play right or left side with equal futility. Yeah, just let me know. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Just let me know. I love it. Uh, but, yeah, definitely congratulations to Nick and uh, Theo. Like, they had been knocking on the door a little bit. They made – they were in the finals in in uh, St. Petersburg slash finished in Santa Barbara, if you remember that. Kevin, now you're not paying attention to me. No, I'm, I'm researching Doherty right now. No, okay. Um, but they played Triborn and John Hyden in the finals, so you had two of the top Ooh, youngsters, two of the top rookies going at each other uh, this weekend. And that was a discussion that Dustin and I were having. Like, who, if we were giving out rookie awards, who would you give it to? Would you give it to Tri or Theo? Ooh, I, well, you win a tournament, I think you give it out to Theo. No, that was my. Uh, that was my assessment as well. I would guess without, they both play pretty without well, continuing I think, to check out of the show. Yeah, I think that maybe, their records are about the same. Relative, the I think Try maybe had a few better finishes this season, but uh, you get a tournament victory. I think that uh, that's going to weigh heavily in your favor. Yeah, I would think so. So tell riddle me this, Batman. Mm-hmm. Todd Rogers played with Ryan, Ryan Doherty. Yeah, they got a fifth. They got a fifth. Their best finish together. But the previous FIVB in Brazil, they did not play together. Lucena played with Doherty. And Doherty and Nicholson, I got a fifth there. Okay. Boy, it's like as the world turns here. Yeah, like I like to remind people, this year was one of those, you cannot judge. All my volleyball players? Yes, you can't judge. Yeah, exactly. As the world turns. General. I don't know. I don't, General Spatchy? <laughs> General Spiker. It's your baby. What? Um, <laughs> this is one of those years, like, you could tell a little bit what's going to happen in the future, like Jake Gibb and Casey Patterson for sure. Phil and Rosie are going to be together again next year, even though you like to uh, add fuel to the fire. They will be. Just for fun. It's a good season. Yeah. But there's other things that are going to happen. I mean, you know, Olympic qualifying doesn't start yet. This is one of those years right after the Olympics. We were just trying to figure out what are we going to do, where are we going to go. Um, so you'll see things start to tighten up a little bit more next year, and maybe people will even take it a little bit more seriously. Not that they didn't take it seriously this year, but when it starts to get closer, things start to get going. Just mentally, I think you're like, okay, I really got to, I really got to get on it, you know, because it's a grind. 
qualifying for the Olympics. Yeah, like similar to the indoor side, the first year's experimentation, right? You always have the what ifs in your mind. What if I played with this person? Correct. What if what if these two guys played together? Could we beat them? What if yeah. and that happens. I'm I'm not surprised at all there's been a lot of switching around. Yeah. Oh, also a good call by BJ Evans. Uh Theo and Nick also won the North Sagan Chula Vista over Born Hyden, so uh I think if you were giving out the rookie award you're going with Theo at that point. Hmm. Hmm. Theo. So Theo. rookie of the Theo. year. Theodore. Theodore. Rookie yeah. of the year, beach volleyball, Theodore. Theodore. That's what we're saying. Sit here on the net live. You're welcome. We we won't be sending you anything, but congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might you might get a netty. Yeah, you might get a netty. You might wait. We need a, a That's true. best beach volleyball player. New you know, rookie beach volleyball. Yep. It's true. Netty. Yeah. That'd be good. I'm just thinking back to last week. We should have ended the show with something a little different than we did. What do you <laughs> that came up a lot uh, last week, by the way, people that had heard the podcast. They're like, uh, were you guys really playing Point Break clips <laughs> during the show? Yes, we were. And I said, by we, Kevin was. We should have just, we should have ended it this way. I, I was thinking about that as we went out. We uh, we should have ended it that w- with just the rollout of the rest of that scene. It's a long scene. I can't do this. Sure you can. Who knows, you might like it. Killer rush. Buddy, this is your fucking wake-up call, Whoa, bro. I am an FBI agent. Love I know, it. man. Isn't it wild? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of drinking going on the show. I'm just going to throw that out there. I am an FBI agent. Keanu Reeves is not good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. By the end of this year, we're going to play the in- have played the entire movie on the show. We should have a screening. Yeah. We could host a NetLive Point Break Night. Sweet. Wouldn't that be awesome? Get one of those big blow-up uh, screens, put it in your backyard. Forget it. We're going down Sharkies. We'll go down Baja Sharkies. We're going to take over the entire lower level. Read, read the chat. We're going to play Point Break. <laughs> Katie Charles suggested, can we have some new you know, new blood in the netties come up with some new categories? So I said, send us your suggestions. And then Texas Troll chimed in with, can we have a netty for who hates Kevin the most? <laughs> Texas Troll, why would I award you a netty? Uh, you don't need, I will award him the netty. You don't, you don't even have control of the production facility that makes the netties. First of all, look at, look at what's in front of me. I have two computers and a control board. I think I have control over a lot of things. You're welcome to take over the show at any time. No, I don't want to. I will take a vacation, especially with nope. these college coaches, Kathy George of Michigan State and Wayne Kreklow, the University of Mizzou, coming on. I want to hear those interviews. I want to hear you Jeremy hear me talk about no. college volleyball. Nope. That's what I want to hear. I can only focus on so much, Kevin. I'll bring you to the beach, and you do volleyball. Um, but hey, hey, Texas Troll, it would be like one of those honorary degrees. It wouldn't really be a netty. You're like an honorary netty. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Congratulations on your honorary netty. That's hilarious. Okay, what were you going to say? Um, Something important? Thoughtful? Concise? I was actually going to give you a compliment because um, Emily Day's sister was talking to me from the sand. Laura Day. Yeah, Laura Day. You know, was like, hey, DJ, the fans have a request. And I was like, you know, I knew who she was. Okay. Uh, I hadn't introduced myself. And we were talking for a second. I was like, let me know, you know, what do you want to hear? And she was telling me what her sister likes. I'm like, I know. Your your sister and I are friends. I know what she likes to hear. Um, You don't touch you when people ask. No, no, I was being nice about it. Oh, okay. No, no. She approached me correctly. She, you know, it was was all about the approach. (laughs) It's It's like at the lion cage. Do not make direct eye contact yeah, with Lion. it's all about how you approach me. <laughs> if you approach me, 
in a nice, positive manner, I will I will respond to you the way you approach me. How about that? Your name should, last name shouldn't be Rochi. It should be Lion. Yeah. And we can play Katy Perry for you. Oh, boy. So continue. No. Um, but, and then I told her, I was like, yeah, we've, I, when she introduced herself, I was like, yeah, I know, we've talked about you on, on the show before. She got all panicked. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, the net live. She's like, oh, my God. She's like, oh, so you know Brandon and Kevin? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I, I, yes. I, yes, I do know them. But by her saying that, it means that she has no idea that I'm on the show and only knows you and Brandon Rosenthal. That's so okay. you're welcome. So you have one fan that likes you better than me on the show. Oh, all right. I got one. So that's, that's, your, that's your compliment for the day. That's my good deed for the day. I'm good to go from now. <laughs> good to go. All right. I want to take a short break here. Kevin Barnett and Jeremy Lyon hosting the show today. You, you could be like Snoop Lyon. You guys could make a pride. I could. I think he changed his name again, though. Cordell Broadus, by the way, his son. Yeah. Not Calvin. Correct. Cordell. Cordell. Plays for Diamond Bar. Yep. We did a big feature on him two weeks ago on Fox Sports West mm-hmm. about how he's having such success. Number five-ranked wide receiver in the class of 2014, not mm-hmm. 13. Or pardon me, 2015, not yep. 14. And this past week, they're playing against Diamond Ranch. This game ended with 314 to go in a brawl in which one Cordell Broadus appeared to take a huge haymaker cut from behind somebody into the helmet. Somebody hit him. No. He Big hit, he scrum hit going on. He hit them. In front of him. He comes up behind somebody and just straight haymakers them from behind. Into their helmet. Yeah. That's not going to... It's not good for his hand, but it's also kind of not so good. Punkish? Kind of punkish? Wimpyish? Sure. Run up behind somebody and smack him in the head? <laughs> Come on, Cordell. We just profiled you. Talked about what a good we job talked about a good job you're doing, and then now you're... On our air the next week. You're throwing haymakers. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. Way to go. Um... After we break, we will uh, have more from Huntington Beach women's side. There were some intriguing storylines. We'll get to it. We'll also have Kathy George after the turn, Michigan awesome. State. Can't wait.
dangerous uh looking back at that movie now when i first got it as a kid i was like this is the greatest movie i've ever seen in my entire life oh great film i cannot watch it now because it is so cheesy and so bad acting wise oh so bad it's good i don't know you're just mad at, don't be mad at the volleyball scene well I mean, don't be mad i mean that like even when i first saw it as a kid i was like this is awful first of all you're playing in jeans nobody iceman's ripped oh no sorry not iceman slider yeah, but you're playing in jeans on the beach. Like, you know how uncomfortable it is to get sand in your pants? No joke. James Marshall showed up in jeans to play on the beach. This is a former middle for UCLA. Showed up next summer on the beach in jeans. Pack of smokes. Playing volleyball. And asked, can I have Thought it? he was in Top Gun. And said, can I have next set? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly how that went down. All right. You have some music here? Of course I do. All right. Don't ask me foolish questions. Let's get to this. Let's, let's get to this right now. Wait for it. Yeah, I gotta let this build. Yeah, it does build. Always want. There we go. Our next guest started her career as an outside hitter at Illinois State, a Redbird. Nice. Helped lead those Redbirds to three Missouri Valley Conference titles. Then went on to start coaching. Began her coaching career at North Dakota State in 1987. Posted a ridiculous 800 winning percentage. Would then coach at Western Michigan from 1994 to 2004, and then move on to where? University of Texas Arlington, where she would become the first woman to coach in a Division One Final Four in 1989. Sorry, that was before Western Michigan. Then went to Western Michigan, and then on to Michigan State. They were six and zero in the Big Ten. Was Michigan State until this weekend with wins over Penn State and Nebraska. We're going to pretend that this weekend weekend did not happen for the first part of this interview. Please welcome the Net Live for the first time, Kathy George. Hi there, guys. Kathy. You went through some archives, man. You went way yeah. back. I went so far back, I got confused. I bamboozled <laughs> myself. I was all out of order there. Oh, really? It was like a whole other life ago. Oh, my gosh. Hey, so, like I said, forget about this weekend for a second. Give us the key to your start. You had good wins over Penn State, good win over Nebraska. You started 6-0 in conference. What was the key for this team? You know, I just think that we, we returned a lot of veterans from last year's team, but then added some key freshmen to our lineup, and uh, and it's just started to gel together. And we played real hard and played to, played to win, and, and uh, you know, nice thing, good things happened. Are, vet, are, are freshmen more prepared than ever to perform at the collegiate level in their first season? You know, I think it's really important that they get in. You know, our kids came in in the summer uh, to go to summer school, but it gave them a chance to get acclimated to, you know, to the university and get started in classes and do those types of things, and it helped them. It definitely has. Since we've been doing it, we've seen a big difference in how our freshmen come in and, and their readiness. Um, you know, outside we had we – had, yeah, I was talking to Mick Haley last week or the week before in preparation for one of his matches, and he said that the school part is the more difficult part for a lot of the kids, and he sees mm-hmm. it affect their volleyball. 
And have you had kids right. come in in the spring, you know, joining the team in January, and then you also mentioned summer school. Is it better to skip the end of your, your senior year of high school, or is it better to come in in summer school? And, and how different well, is that than coming in in the fall? You know, I think that uh, that's a hard call because it's, uh, you're giving up your senior year, and that's, you know, that's a, a personal choice for, for athletes. But it does help. It does help the school, you know, that they're going to. It helps them get them ready for what's to come. How much how much support do you have around them for the academic side of things? It's it's amazing. You know, uh, we have so many tutors, and we have the academic center that is uh, built to help all our athletes. And it really it does make a difference in how they prepare and how they um, how they go through the semester. It is so difficult because you're missing classes and you're you're getting hitting midterms. And you know, as Nick was uh, referring to, I'm sure he was referring to his freshmen coming in. They get hit classes and with the season and the constancy of practices that they've never experienced before. And and so um, it does get difficult around certain points uh, where testing seems to happen every three weeks and then midterms and then you go through the rest of it and your senior freshman meltdown a little bit but the the student support services really help uh help them get through that it has to be a different world now than when i was in school i left school in 1997 and you really didn't have that online component available has the evolution of education and the availability of classes or classroom material online helped kids when they are traveling on the road Oh, it definitely does. In fact, last year when we were uh, out in California, we stayed that week after we went to UCLA and then we had to go to Cal. Um, you know, we use a lot of um, online material and, and uh, we're able to communicate uh, better with the people back here. And, in fact, we had people taking tests online and doing different things like that because um, because they were gone. So it, it definitely helped us. You know, the volleyball tournament every year, you're in the NCAA tournament during finals uh, the farther you go. So, you know, there's a lot of stress levels there, and uh, I think that helps accommodate those things. Very good. You know, as I look down your roster here, I see a lot of kids from Michigan. I see some kids from Illinois, from Indiana. You're really recruiting out of the Midwest largely. What are some of the particular characteristics of players from that region of the country? Well, you know, I think there's a great junior volleyball in the Midwest, and and you're seeing, um, you know, you're seeing a high level of volleyball. There's, uh, and and then not only that, but when you're recruiting these players, you know, their parents get to see them as they travel through those areas. Uh, we're open to national players. It's just, it seems like there's there's a lot of interest, especially with unofficial visits. You can't you can't fly people in. They have to be able to do it on their own dime. Uh, going into um, unofficial visits. So official visits happen in the senior year, but you really don't see them anymore happening because people are committing so early. And so we do have a lot. We're, we're you know, we want to look at our state. We want to make sure that we're, we're uh, looking through there, seeing what, we, you know, seeing what players are ready to play at this level. And then we want to make sure that we go regional and then national as well. Yeah, with the recruiting process, you mentioned they're going earlier and earlier. How difficult is it for you guys to judge who these kids are going to be in two, three, four years in some cases? <laughs> That's the, if you have the answer to that, let us know because <laughs> that is the difficult thing. You just don't know. And I look at my kids. Like, I have two boys, and one of them is 16 right now. Oh, my goodness. And I, so I, I think about it. Like, some of our players have made their decisions up when they were 15. Yeah. And then I'm looking at my 16-year-old, and I'm going, he doesn't have a clue. So I'm really, I really wonder, you know, like, are they ready to go, and how are we making those decisions? I think there's, there's definitely the character of the person. You, you, can, you can recognize those types of things. But, you know, is volleyball going to mean as much to them in three years as it does right now, or are, what kind of changes are they going to go through? You really can't predict that 100%. So is that Connor, 
we just determined that Connor yeah. does not know yeah, what he's going to be. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, Connor's no, he has no idea about his major, but I mean, it's got to be in the athletics, right? That's what he knows. And of course, he's going to be an Olympic athlete or something like that, or a professional. So, you know, he and I love those dreams. That's great, but he's going to have to decide on a major and maybe what, he, what other career he can have. So, well, well, hey, you know, if the kid doesn't believe it first, no matter how outlandish, it, it certainly isn't going to happen. The kid doesn't believe it. Uh, we've had discussions. No, I know. I appreciate his. I appreciate that dream from him. I'm just saying you might want to, you know, put the put the head in the books a little bit more. So. <laughs> All right, Kathy. We didn't put it in the intro, but you have more than 500 wins as a head coach. You've been at this for a very long time. How have you seen the game change around you? Oh my gosh, it really has changed um, over the years, and. You know, just looking at the recruitment is so different. I mean, that whole thing is uh, a whirlwind, and you know, we're we're out as coaches all the time, and you're you're. It's so difficult to recruit. Everybody is out after the same kids. There's um, the, the recruiting experience is totally different, and then playing wise, I think you know you see much, so much more parity across the across the board, and. Yeah, you know, you're looking in the Big Ten, and any team can can you know win on any given night, and it's so it's so challenging. But you know, that's the level of the conference that we're in, and that's kind of the good side of it. You know, it really does get you better, and it it sharpens you, and it makes your players better, and they have to reach they have to reach down a little bit deeper and and come back. So you know, you've got you look at that. I enjoy that part of it, but uh, but the game is very competitive. Do you ever know really why you win a recruit? Are you guys able to track what are the things that are getting kids to finally say yes to your program versus the five or ten other programs that are offering them an opportunity? Well, you know, you look at it, it's kind of funny. You know, you go to one of those huge convention centers and you see about 120 courts going at one time and you're going around and you're thinking you're finding this this gem somewhere in a back corner and you get there and there's all the usual suspects, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's nobody that's a secret and you're all going after the same thing. So you, you, you look at what you're about and what your school's about and, you know, just the strengths that you have and, and try to find your niche and what is it that, that sets you apart, what's the, what's the thing that – um, you can offer that you can you can offer and you're going to follow through on and and um, you know so you want to you want to make sure that you're you're looking at that and 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 then growing your program a lot around those types of things and and that's what we do you know we think we have great things to offer here at Michigan State um, if somebody wants to come in a certain say major a certain area and and or it's not a fit with what we believe like in terms of our style of play then that's not a fit you know um, we had a girl once that wanted to go into pharmacy and we loved her she loved us and the whole thing but that's not we didn't have her major so you know it didn't work out and those kind of things happen but uh, but you know I I do think you have to find your niche you have to find out what you're comfortable with. And after all the years that I've been in it, I, I definitely know who I am and, and how we do things. And with my staff, they've been with us for a long time, and it's just it's a good fit for all of us. And, and, um, and uh, you know, we, we, we believe we have a lot to offer here at Michigan State. So give me a couple of words that would describe Michigan State and your style of play. Our style of play, I think, you know, I, I do I do adjust that, and I've had to adjust that over the years based on the personnel. So I'm not one that's going to put you in a cookie cutter and, and say that this is the style we run and you better just fit it. Um, I know that we work to our strengths and we work to individual strengths and try to bring out the best in every person. Uh, we are kind of a teaching program. I, I know that a lot yeah. of the programs that I've had, over the years, whether it's been Western Michigan or Michigan State, we've taken kids that, you know, had, had room to grow. I mean, they definitely had to, to get more experience in the volleyball end, and so we, we've had to teach quite a bit from the fundamental 
aspect of the game and, and really grow them to where they're at now. Um, you know, that being said, it doesn't mean we don't want players that are ready to go, and but that's where we had to do it in order to get the physicality piece in there for Michigan State to compete at the Big Ten level and then also bring in players that would complement that, players with a lot of great ball control and could study us out a bit. So we've done that in the past. We're getting – you know, we're getting better and better athletes and players in right now. And, and so, um, you know, we feel that our system is, is a faster system across the board. It's not maybe what an Oregon speed would be, but, you know, we like to use balance and we like to, to make sure that we, um, you know, that we can, we can get you, you know, we, we have to get you to honor every part of our net. Yeah, it's interesting you, you say there's a teaching system because we've talked about teaching programs and utilization programs, and a lot of good teaching programs are out there. Uh, you certainly have a gem in Lauren Wisinski, 31 aces and 4.54 kills per set. Is she a next-level talent? Is she going to go on and play professionally? Oh, yeah, with no, no doubt she will. Um, you know, Lauren is, is – uh, well, she's ferocious. I like the way she plays. I mean, she just wants to put the ball down, and she just wants to win. So every single every single point, she's in it to win it, and you got to love that about a player. And um, But, you know, she brings it at the service play, and she's a great passer, and she, you know, again, can attack from any part of the net and really goes after it. So I, I love the way Lauren, you know, uh, competes, and, and, uh, and I like the fact that she brings a lot of different things to the game. Well, you have to have a servant-pass battle. It seems like the women's game is going the way that the men's has, where the servant-pass battle is a big part of whether you win or lose. Uh, Wisinski has the aces. You also have Corey Moster with the libero position. Tell me a little bit about her. Uh, um, you know, Corey's is very similar in that she, she uh, competes for every single point, and she's been great for us. We found her. She was actually playing for a team out of Ohio, and, uh, you know, we were looking at a lot of players on her team, but every time we came back, whether which our coach went out, you know, we kept going, gosh, that Corey, she's something else. I mean, she's really good. We didn't really need a Libro in her in that year. You know, it was going to overlap mm-hmm. a year. Right. But we ended up offering our scholarship anyway because we thought that kid was just too special to pass up. And, you know, we saw something special in Corey. She came out for a visit, and, you know, and we brought her in. And I'll tell you what, we have not – there's not been one day that we've regretted that decision because she is she's an amazing talent with with great leadership skills and great competitive nature. Awesome. Well, you guys were off to that six and zero start. Let's take you through this past weekend. Give us some insight into what mm-hmm. happened. You had a three two loss to Minnesota, and really by set number five fifteen seven, that one was kind of a struggle. What happened to your team inside of this match? Well, you know, I, I don't think either team, and, and I, I would guess that Hugh feels the same way about it. I don't think either team played their best volleyball, and, and there were a lot of errors. It was an error-ridden match, and right. and uh, not one that either coach was <laughs> very proud of. But uh, but you know, it was it was one of those that boy, you sure love to win and just put that behind you and go. But um, but you know, we we had a lot of errors at the service line, 15, and and we had errors everywhere else. We were just giving up points um, left and right, and that's not characteristic of what our team has been doing all year. But yet, nonetheless. I don't know why we were, I don't know, was it the ESPN? Was it the hype of being fifth in the country? I, I don't know that answer. I just know we got to get back to work and, and, uh, and you know, kind of remember that you, you, you go after things. You know, you, you definitely go after um, wins, and you've got to have that right determined attitude. And I think we were a little hesitant at that point. And, 
for whatever reason, and, and we just played a little stifled. Now those errors, you know, that was a part of it as well with the serve pass game. I think that Dolly Santana, Santana just laid it on. I mean, she went to another level with her serve that night, mm-hmm. and I think it, it you know, got it unnerved us a little bit. Uh, you know, we've, we've played against her before. We've, we've um, you know, been able to pass uh, her serve and feel pretty confident about that, but going in, but she just, like, took it to another level. She reminded me a little bit of Haley Ackerman when we played, when we played Texas a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament. I mean, she was laying out. <laughs> she, she was all over that ball, but um, yeah. you know, so so we, you know, she she kind of she kind of threw us off a bit, and um, you know, I give her a lot of credit. She she was serving real well, and, and it's just you know, we were just off, and you gotta you gotta get back to it, and you know, we didn't rebound the next night, and we just need to need to make sure that we're getting back on the same track. You know, we're not broke. Um, but we just you would just have to get back to the, the things that got us where we were. Yeah, certainly no reason to jump on the big red panic button, which is what would happen if you were playing professionally in Europe. They would have freaked out by now uh, for sure. Really? Uh, but, but that <laughs> yeah. Wisconsin match, do you think the Wisconsin match was a bit of a hangover from that, that back and forth with Minnesota? You mentioned how bad it was, both teams hitting sub-100, both teams blocking some balls. Uh, but did, did some yeah. of that performance and frustration carry over into Wisconsin? I believe it. You know, I believe it did a little bit, but uh, I felt going in, I felt I felt good about where we were, and um, you know, we started off game one, but it wasn't a convincing game one, and and uh, you know, I just I just think that it showed, you know, it showed us this weekend some areas that we've got to fine tune and get stronger, and there's there's no doubt that we'll get back and you know do some film study with our team and and get them get them to understand where maybe we uh, were a little sloppy and where we missed some of our cues and and weren't where we needed to be, but uh, you know, I thought Carly needed a great job. Of, of setting and you know she opened things up with her attack you know and we really didn't respond to that the way we needed to and and but you know and there's there's times where we totally take over in that area so it's just we just didn't answer our cues the way we needed to and uh and um she did a nice job of distributing the ball and and so we just got to get back to the drawing board we got a quick turnaround here with michigan on wednesday one of the big things your program has to sell is Michigan State and the athletics department there. Do you get a lot of support from the other coaches? Is Tom Izzo ever showing up? Oh, man. You know, yeah, and Tom is great. He's met with recruits, and so is D'Antonio and, you know, our hockey coach, all of them. You know, it's really a group effort here in, in all the sports, not just volleyball, but, you know, they're very supportive, and the camaraderie between coaches is different than, you know, I've experienced at other places, and they're just so willing to help, and we're all behind each other. So it's pretty cool. I want to ask you one more question about the serve game. You mentioned the players that are really getting after it. One of the things I wonder and have wondered for a number of years is why we don't see more aggressive, good jump servers in the women's game. Give me the jump serve versus the float argument when you're working with your team as to what you're going to teach. Well, I, I really do believe that unless you have enough power and pop on that ball when you're jump top spinning, if, um, like, Dolly really laid it in there. Micah Hancock really lays it in there. But when you have somebody that kind of has that straight top spin, I, I think it's a really easy ball no matter how – it's a really easy ball to pass. It yeah. doesn't change direction in some way, shape, or form. And, and, you know, I just think that the elevation that the men have and the power and the strength they have on their serving is a little bit – it's still superior to what the women have in that game. And so the float, uh, the float, the jump float or the standing float, I mean, if you've got good movement on your ball, that is it's, – it's more consistent – and so you've got to figure out what it is, like is the risk reward, what is it with your serve? And so if people are passing your jump top and you can't generate any more power than you already have, then I think it's better to go to a, to a float serve at that point. Okay. But if you know you have somebody that can hammer and go for it, you know if you've got if you've got a kid that can throw enough on it, I think I think it's a great serve. All right. 
Kathy, I have one more question for you. You, as yeah. an outside hitter, could you compete in today's game? <laughs> well, my assistants tell me that my vertical jumps up to about six inches right now. So they give me grief all the time. I don't, I don't mean uh, you, you know, today. I can still hit the shots. I'd be crafty. That's what I'd have to be. But uh, I meant if we could you take know, you I, from your, your career and transport you into today's game, could you compete in today's game, the player that you were around your, uh, your college years? Oh, boy. I'd like to say yes, but I can't really say that I think so. I mean, I'm small. I'm I'm 5'9", and I never was like this huge I, – I was more about tooling. I was a tool queen, and, uh, you know, that's that was my game. I think that you can use a lot of blocks with tooling, but, um, but no, I don't think I could. <laughs> Not at this level. All right, Kathy George is in her ninth season with her team at Michigan State. They are 6-2 and two in Big Ten play. They have matches upcoming this week against Michigan and Indiana. Kathy, thanks for coming on the show, spending some time with us, and enjoy the rest of your season. Good luck. We'll see you in the tournament. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. All right, Kathy George checking in from Michigan State. I, I like that, Jeremy. I like the teaching program side of things. I, I like coaches that are able to do that, to take athletes in and, and Get them to do more and recognize those kids that you can do more with. Well, correct. And you're still, the fact that you're in college, you are still in a teaching environment. You are. And and with college, gosh, I don't remember, I have to ask Marv about this, I don't remember school affecting my volleyball. And maybe it did, and I just was unaware. But I don't remember. You mean going to class and your schoolwork and all that? Yeah, and feeling like, oh, I'm not playing well because of school. I never gotcha. felt gotcha. like that was the case. Now, not to say it wasn't at the time. I mean, you're 20 years old or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 21 years old. Don't necessarily, you're not necessarily aware of all the reasons behind what's affecting your play. Correct. You're just not mature enough to, to notice that. Uh, but I don't remember that being the case. Rosenthal's texting me saying never went to class. Rosenthal, that's the one thing I did. I did, I did go to class. He said you didn't go, or he was in, he didn't. Oh, he, I don't know what he did. I went to class. Yeah. The only class I skipped was abnormal psychology because it was at like 2.30 or 3 in the afternoon. Right when you wanted to take a nap? I have to take a nap before I play. I'm not here for school. <laughs> so I would, my roommate was in the same class. She would just, at one point, she just played and said, no, he's at home. He, he's getting ready for the match. Nice. She's like, yeah, he's not going to make it today. I, re, oh, I re, Joel Yvette was a, uh, a religion teacher. I'm trying to think. That's my, my one blemish on my college career there. You're the only one? Yeah, on my academic career. I got all my own grades except one test in, in religion three. No, religion two with Ira Jolivet. Gotcha. I got the answers to the test. Gotcha. The test. I still would have done fine, but I don't know that I would have gotten a 96. <laughs> I probably would have gotten And I only got a 96 because I threw two questions. On purpose. Exactly. Yeah, well. Yeah. I hope there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, you can't get in trouble. Statute of limitations? Yeah, yeah. so you can't get in trouble for it now. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. Yeah. They're not going to take away my credit. They already took away all my credits anyway, so what does it matter? Give somebody a call over there this afternoon and see, see what we can do about that. Thanks for that test, Todd King. Yep. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, good to hear from Kathy George. Really, Michigan State, uh, I think, relevant at the top of the field yep. for the first time in a long time. They have been in the tournament, and they have been doing things right, program going the right way, but they haven't been the giant killer, you know, right, number five, uh, that they have been early on in this season. So, so would they be a dark horse to win this year? or uh, To win? Put... To win it all? Yeah. Yeah, I think to win it all, for sure. To like make the tournament, no. I you mean, classify I... them as a dark horse to win, or like if they won, you wouldn't be completely shocked? 
I would be shocked if they won it all. Gotcha. I'm, they're going to make the tournament. Yeah. I think they can do well in the tournament. Um, I would be shocked if they won the national championship. I think you'd kind of say, wow, that, that came a little out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I don't, I don't think you would um, – I don't think you'd say that it's any kind of shock if they make the tournament. Gotcha. Well, good for them. Yeah. We have Wayne Kreklow still to come from Mizzou. University of Missouri. It's funny, with the University of Missouri, you can barely find that they're the University of Missouri. They're just Mizzou. It's just known as Mizzou. Mizzou Tigers, Mizzou Volleyball, Mizzou, yeah. just Mizzou everything. Don't call us anything. It's not else. even spelled the same as Missouri. Nope, there's Z's. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we spell Missouri with Z's then? No. Well, you have to talk to the we. I guess it'd be Miss Sue instead of Mizzou, and it doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> Mizzou. Oh. Never mind. The Mizzou Tigers. Yeah, exactly. The Mizzou Tigers. Exactly. I'm not sure. That's either, that's either an Indian tribe. The Missou Tigers, uh, that would be S O U I X, I guess. Yep, or I'm with you. Uh, or Missou, Missou, or it's like Masseuses. I don't know. <laughs> Something. <laughs> it's definitely not threatening. Mizzou, Mizzou sounds much more threatening. Mizzou and a gnarly tiger. That sounds better. They might win the mascot challenge. Is what you're saying? They have a chance. They have a chance. They're saying there's a chance. And Spartans, because there's several. Spartans and Tigers. Figure that out. So the the inner Net Live battle anniversary show mascot battle. Since we have two coaches, we have Tigers versus Spartans. Well, Spartans are highly trained, apparently. If you watch 300, and they are armed, armed. Yep. I'm picking the Spartans. I think three of them die. Twelve on twelve. Three of them end up dead. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going twelve Tigers versus twelve humans. Twelve Tigers, twelve humans. Tigers win, hands down. Really? They're Tigers. They're not raptors. They don't work in synchronicity. They're not hunting They're together. They're tigers. They're not pack hunters. Tigers. Twelve tigers. Are you telling me one tiger can't hold one down, even if he's getting he or she is getting stabbed and can take her his or her other paw and smack some people around a little bit when they're not paying attention? I think much like The Walking Dead and zombies, what's going to happen is one tiger, or pardon me, one Spartan is going to go down, oh. and three or four tigers are going to try and eat that Spartan. Tiger's not thinking very well. Spartan's better strategy. Gotcha. Three, four Tigers trying to feed on one Spartan. Other Spartans killing Tigers at that moment, just like walkers get killed along the fence line of the prison. I just think, don't ruin it. I haven't seen the season yet. Well, I'm not really ruining anything. I know, you know they're this, in the prison. Yeah, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Um, Yesterday was... Was a good one? It was a little... I need to watch like a whole season at a time. They're great, but some of them are a little slow, like in each episode. Number one is slow. Yeah, because you got to catch up a little bit. Two... Was gnarly. Yeah. I hear three is also gnarly. Okay. I don't know that. anything past that. I've been busy a little bit. No. Tigers, 12 tigers versus 12 humans. Yeah. Tigers win. Chat board, 12 tigers, 12 herd. Uh, 12 Spartans. Where am I going? Now, one-on-one, you wouldn't be surprised if the tiger won, but I feel like the Spartan, in some way, shape, or form, would win that battle. One tiger, one Spartan? Yeah. The 12 I, on yeah, 12. I think, I think one-on-one. Tiger for sure? Yeah. No, the Spartan has less of a chance one-on-one. I disagree. Well, they have the trident thing, the yeah. spear, yeah. right, and the shield. And the shield. They better get a, a heart shot, like, right away. For sure. Because if that thing gets stuck through an arm or something, that tiger, he doesn't care. He's like a pit bull you know, or a honey badger. He don't care. If you have a pack of tigers attacking you. <laughs> well, yeah, now if it's a pack of tigers. A gaggle. Guy, a gaggle. A gaggle. Of a tigers. herd of tigers. A parliament. A murder of tigers, if they were crows. If it's a parliament, what is it? George Clinton. No, it's a, it's owls. <laughs> a murder of crows? Yeah, murder. How did that happen? I, I, that's just wrong. Is that where murdered out came from? Maybe. I like it. I'm getting a new truck. 
I don't know if I I'm not gonna murder it out though. It's not gonna be black. I'm thinking white with black wheels. It's gonna be rad. <laughs> Take a two second break here, Jeremy. On the other side, we're gonna have Coach's Corner. We're gonna throw some throw some light in on the AVCA watch list with Jamie Gordon and later on we'll have Wayne Krecklow and also Deb and Brandon in the AVCA College of Volleyball Weekly. It is all college volleyball today here on the net live along with Kevin and Jeremy talking about nonsense. We're going to get back to the Huntington Beach event. There's some things I need to tell you about. Rich Lamborn, Baby Jesus. There's some coaching things happening. We'll, we'll find a way to get into some other yeah, yeah, yeah. 80s movies, too. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to recommend some more. Let's pull some more clips. We've got Top Gun and uh, Point Break so far. So far. What else is on that list? Well, what else is on that list of terrible but great films of that era? The Net Live. Okay. 
Jeremy, I like the chat board. I like where they're going. This is uh, something I need to watch. Again. Uh, again, for sure. And just for the scene you're about to play. Yeah. We can't do the whole thing. It's too long. It's like three minutes long. Or as our brothers to the south call you, hey, Zeus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR, as we call them. And my smoking hot wife. red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox. Mm. Mm. If rate her ass on 100, it would easily be a 94. Why only 94? I also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him. What powers are those? His horrible leg. And he walked on water. It smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. <laughs> it's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. <laughs> Dear... Lord baby Jesus. And then he goes on to pray to tiny Jesus in his golden fleece diapers. <laughs> That's a little bit later. Talladega Nights. That's one I've got to watch. Oh, man. Because if you're winning, it means I'm not winning. Winning. I didn't know that that was uh, Sebastian Baron Cohen. Oh, is the other driver? Yeah. Yeah. For the longest time, I didn't realize that that was Borat. Speaking of Borat, oh boy. Bad Grandpa coming out this week. I'm going to see that for sure. Can't watch it. You can't? Nope. Makes me uncomfortable. My, my favorite part Makes is when the kid's in the, in the pageant, and he comes up behind, and he starts throwing off the dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> I can't... You can't watch this stuff? I can't watch things that make other people uncomfortable on purpose. Oh, man. I couldn't watch the Borat movies. I, I can't do it. The chase scene in the hotel? Nope. You never saw it? Nope. Oh, it's stupendous. Can't do it. The chase scene in the hotel is one for the ages. I was just dying. Makes me uncomfortable. Just just dying. I think I can't, can't never watch one episode of The Office that makes me uncomfortable. Really? Yep. Oh, The Office is excellent. It's like eating a hot ring of garbage. Can't do it. Can't do it. I understand why people like it. Something bit me in your house, Kevin. Not here. Something bit me. We don't have fleas. You have something. You do have two new cats, apparently. We have kittens. I went away for the weekend, and here come the kittens. Because you put the other one out the pasture, so you had to get some new ones. Yeah, we did. Well, we waited a while. My, my sons are killing me to get new cats. Why do they want cats? Particularly my youngest one. Well, we would get a dog, but it's just too much work. You want to go on vacation, kennel the dog. You want to go somewhere, you got to take the damn dog with you. you got to walk the dog twice a day. It's just, I'm out of town. Somebody's got to take care of the dog. Who's going to take care of the cats? The cats can hang on their own for a couple of days. Somebody comes by to feed them and pet them, they're fine. Okay. Different than a dog. I mean, okay. I don't know. I'm with you. I, I can't. I like dogs. I enjoy their company, but I don't want to have to be responsible. Like, even the cats, my, my holdup was, I don't want to be the one responsible for the cat box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything else. Going on. I'm the guy who takes them to the vet. I'm the guy. No. Somebody else got to do it. Yeah. So. The cat box is not coming back to the office. Though. Good. It is not going to be back up here. not going to be a we'll bunch of stinky, number, uh, smelly. Some deuce bombs going on. We will not have cats <laughs> pooping on the show anymore. By the way, we have, uh, is our guy on, by the way? 615? 
That's Brandon. Yep, that's who's on right now. Well, we're still looking for uh, for our guy, Jamie Gordon. Maybe Rosenthal and all his texting wonder can text Jamie. But uh, I forget where I was going. Still but, waiting for uh, oh Lipscomb hat. How to Lipscomb? Name of these cats: Ham and Cheese. Awesome. Now that is funny. Ham and Cheese. Two uh, orange tabbies. My cousins had uh, Cheese li- Barnett. Used to have little wiener dogs. Yeah. They named them Oscar and Myra. <laughs> it's like Walker and Texas Rangers. It's great. It's so good. Oscar and Myra. Ham and cheese. Now, did your kids get to how? How was the naming process? Well, my younger son has always wanted to name a cat cheese for some reason. Just for so whatever, he's drawn yeah. pictures and like CB. Like he's so known as CB around here. One of the cats' name was going to be Cheese, regardless. Right. Yeah. So it only made sense. My other son didn't care. He says, "Yeah, that's fine. Just we'll name him. We'll name him uh, Ham." Perfect. That's so yeah, we have Ham Bone and CB. Awesome. Cheese Barnett. <laughs> Couple of boys, which will be good. We've had female cats for years. Now we got the confident, big head, super jump, high jumpers. That'll be terrorizing your home. Oh, man, they'll be flying around. Yep. They awesome. have them locked up in the bathroom right now that I can't use. Yeah, well, they just got here, so. Like, what am I supposed to do during College Volleyball Weekly now? <laughs> <laughs> and every interview that we have yeah. this week for you. Very good. Yes, seriously, Katie. Ham and cheese. Not lying. That's actually pretty funny. It's good, man. Yeah. Ham bone. Ham bone. Ham bone. Different than T bone. <laughs> Different than Coco. 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 Yeah. Coco. Nice Seinfeld reference. <laughs> Seinfeld and Jason Ring. Coco. Jason Ring Jason put a picture Ring. on Facebook. Do we this need week. a Where Are They Now? Jason Ring calling into the show sometime soon? Uh, there was a picture on Facebook last week. Ben Budipo member commented on it as well as myself. Jason Ring with Dan Landry, formerly of the men's national team. And I said that this is a little bit like a picture of Sasquatch and the Yeti. Together. That's funny. By the way, they claim to have proof of Sasquatch. Allegedly. Allegedly. Like human genome, mapped out the genome of the the hair and blood, samples taken from Sasquatch, and it does not match anything in the known zoological world. For, for one, I think it's possible. world's a big place. Of course. Anything's possible. Ghosts? I believe that it's possible. I'm going with yes. Why wouldn't it be? I don't know. Why couldn't it be possible? That's my thing. That's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Lots of things are possible. We used to think the earth yeah. was flat. I'm not a religious guy, though. I don't think religion and ghosts necessarily go hand in hand. Eh, I don't know. A lot of supernatural believing in mumbo-jumbo. It's probably just things you just can't explain. You can't explain religion. I can't explain a lot of things. Okay. We'll save this for the political. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. TNL, political. Yeah. Line. So far, people haven't hated us yet, this show. We got we got our guy? 606? I would say that's probably it. Okay. said he was calling in. It's not like the early days when we used to get crank calls all the time. How would you get crank calls? I don't understand uh, I don't how that know. even happened. We had, a, we had one guy call up, and he started going on with swear words or what he was doing to himself. I mean, that was Did you let it go just to ago. see what happened? Just to see where it ended I up? cut him off after a sentence or two, but it's somewhere in the archives. That's funny. I, I don't know. Yeah, this is in Kentucky, so this is our guy here. You're just wait, you're waiting on me now, aren't you? Yeah. Wait for it. This is our coach's corner? Nope. You have me confused, Kevin. That's later. That's Wayne. That's Wayne Kreklo. That's a preview okay, of Wayne. Here we go. I'm waiting for the trumpets. Ah, there we go. Coach's Corner. Welcome into the ABCAA Coach's Corner Lounge, where we like to sit in a corner and talk about volleyball while sipping Cavassier. Mm-hmm. This week, we are proud to bring in to our show the head coach at Moorhead State. 
He's also the head of the subcommittee, the marketing subcommittee for the AVCA head coaches committee that is responsible for the AVCA watch list. Please welcome to the net live, Jamie Gordon. What? Oh. Thanks. There we go. Yeah, Jamie, now you're there. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How about you guys? Good, good. Well, congratulations on a good early season there at Moorhead. But uh, more importantly here, ABCA and the watch list. This is something I don't think a lot of people know what it is. I, Jeremy over here is shaking his head. He has no clue nope. what the ABCA watch list is. That's why why, don't, you, show. why don't you give us a background on it, how it was developed, and what exactly its function is? Sure, sure. Um, well, one of the challenges uh, for the NCAA tournament um, is that uh, come Selection Day, uh, the hosts for the first and second rounds um, have a very uh, difficult time uh, with a quick turnover on promoting uh, their event. So um, what we've been trying to do as a marketing subcommittee is to give them some tools and give them some ability to get the word out earlier. Um, so the NCAA is uh, supporting this uh, this effort, but they want to kind of stay clear because it's not part of the selection process. So that's where we've kind of stepped in with the ABCA is to identify uh, a group of, of schools um, that can kind of get out there and promote and say, hey, uh, there, there's a good shot that we might be one of those institutions that get the opportunity to host the first and second round. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty straightforward uh, formula, so it's not a committee that's deciding. It's um, you know teams that are in the top 25 of the AVCA uh, poll, um, teams that are in the uh, top 30 of the RPI and top 30 of the Pablo ranking uh, because it kind of gives us a, a good overall um, uh, sampling of some of the top programs in the country. How much will this list change? You're starting with 30 possible hosts right now, but how, how many teams will drop out and how many teams will come in? By the time you're done with this list throughout the season, how many total teams have been on it? Um, we, our, our thought is it'll probably be, such, uh, it'll probably be uh, to, to right around that 30 to 32 mark um, because the way that the selection committee uh, works is that they identify the top 16 seeds of the tournament, and if all of those schools uh, placed in a, a bid uh, to host that, then they, they're granted those regardless of where they are geographically or anything like that. Um, so our hope is that that 30, that list of 30 um, will encompass uh, who will be those 16 uh, hosts in there. Gotcha. Okay. Now, what are the particular things that these folks can do, or what have you recommended? What are some of the specifics as far as getting the word out and getting their site prepared for this possibility? Yeah, that's where it's, it really becomes a great tool for their marketing uh, people because um, one of the things that we saw, uh, just even with the attendance numbers, is that a lot of those schools that were hosting the first and second rounds um, were actually below their average attendance for the season. Um, so now what being a part of this watch list, it allows those marketing uh, directors to, again, get the word out during their, uh, their matches on, online and their social media platforms um, to say, you know, hey, you know, our school um, may very well host and then, you know, kind of also builds up to the selection show um, so that just their general fans uh, are aware and they're not having to reintroduce this whole concept of hosting um, really on Monday morning uh, after they've uh, selected and you've got a, a four- to five-day uh, turnaround. So I think it's, you're going to see some different, uh, you know, creativity on what different schools will do and how they'll, uh, utilize this, but uh, we just want to try to give them that tool and get a get a jump 
on, uh, on, on getting some great attendance. So that's for the first couple rounds. Can you give us any insight on how the regionals process works and, and how those schools are being selected or putting themselves up for bid to host a regional? I understand a couple of regionals have changed hands recently, at least one. Yeah, yeah. well, the way that the uh, the regional process uh, works as it is now, and really the NCAA did something that's kind of a, a little bit unique. Um, they, they took in uh, bid proposals um, for a lot of, of well, actually almost all of the sports outside of uh, basketball, and uh, both men's and women's basketball, um, for a three-year span. Um, so I believe there was something close to 30 bids for the volleyball uh, component, and they're selecting for the next three years. And then what they do is they kind of put it together, and then there's a championship committee um, that kind of goes through those bids and um, for based on the, the quality of the bid, but also where they're located uh, geographically, um, they'll get those awarded. So I, I believe that uh, that committee meets at the end of the month, and I think it's in December that they'll release uh, where the, those regionals will be for the 2014, 15, and I believe 16 championships. Okay, so it's a three-year bid process there. That should be quite interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah, it, 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 it really will. Um, you know, and I, I think that, uh, you know, there's some efforts that we're trying to do to, to help build that uh, attendance um, component. Um, obviously, when you have a, a regional host that, that has a team that's also participating in it, uh, we see a huge spike uh, in the attendance numbers. Um, but we want to, you know, really see what happens and, and how well can that, that part grow, even if, uh, you know, those host teams are not participating in it. So it'll be interesting to see what the committee uh, chooses and the direction that they go. Jamie, you're part of the ABCA Head Coaches Committee. You're part of this marketing subcommittee. How did you get involved with the, the structure of the ABCA and why get involved? Um, well, you know, it's, it's, our, you know, it's our voice as, as coaches. Uh, it's it's the, a tremendous vehicle um, to share uh, you know, to share ideas and concepts and, and, and things like that, but but it's really our, the the best voice that we have as a group of coaches to um, to be advocate. Uh, you know, I would say that my my recent involvement has has become a, a little bit greater, uh, primarily probably because of Kathy DeBoer. Uh, one, she's a difficult person to say no to, um, but actually, when I started coaching, uh, she was a, a mentor towards me back when she was uh, the head coach at the University of Kentucky. So I feel like I owe her a lot. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of coaches. I think we've all had that where there's, there's been people that have been instrumental uh, to our own development and any opportunity that you have to, to kind of give back to the sport, um, I think you take advantage of it. So I, the ABCA is just a phenomenal uh, association. It, it does a lot for our sport. It does a lot for our coaches. And I think anything that we can do to, to help with that um, is real critical. Awesome, Jamie. Thanks very much. You're going to announce this list on the show next week right here, right? You've got it. You've got it. All right. Well, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Thanks very much for enlightening us about how this process works. So the ABCA watch list will be announced next week on this program. 17-6 and six overall is Moorhead State. You have Southeast Missouri and UT Martin. You going to get two wins coming up here or what? Uh, we would love to. We'd love to. We're going to do our best, see what we can do, and hopefully get an opportunity to, to get another dub. Awesome. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Jamie. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Jamie Gordon from right. the subcommittee, marketing subcommittee. 
Talking about the ABCA watch yeah, list. I like it. It's interesting. Yep. Um, and like Jamie was saying, it's it's their voice. The ABCA is their voice, and that's why he got involved. You know, our guy Brandon is involved with it, and we'll have him on uh, right now. Start up that music. Nice. It's a quick moving show here. We'll, we will get back to beach volleyball, Jeremy. You, you yeah, will you have to wake up. It's the end of the domestic season, and you're all college volleyball my entire show. It's only been half the season. We've been still talking beach. My entire show. Just wanted to make sure you heard that. Punch the buttons or whatever it is you do over there with all those things. Sheesh. 615-414? Yep. Okay. Do your intro. Each week, the AVCA brings to us the College Volleyball Weekly segment. A recap of what was and a look at what will be in the world of college volleyball. We are in the thick of it, as you can tell from our guests and our focus. The women's season. We are well into conference play. Starting to think about playoffs. And starting to think about the postseason, the field of 64, which will come to a head in the Final Four in Seattle in the middle of December. Let's welcome in our correspondents who will take us through and shepherd us along the road to college volleyball, Deb Static and Brandon Rosenthal. What's up, kids? Hey, everyone. What's going on? Well, this has been a lot of fun. We've been talking all college volleyball. Jeremy has been asleep the entire time. <laughs> I can't use the restroom because the cats are in there. That's right. You, it's just a bad day for you. But anyway, it was an interesting week of matchups, was it not? Brandon Rosenthal, you texted me, and I actually watched part of the event yesterday afternoon before my nap, and it was Arizona sweeping USC. Holy good gracious. Yeah, you know, what's been interesting is just, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks we've been talking about Arizona State, and, uh, you know, Arizona's been quietly kind of climbing the charts and, and you know, having a pretty good season. And, uh, you know, Dave Rubio, Greg White, that crew out there doing a great job, and uh, I know you had a chance to talk with them. But, yeah, that's a, that's a good, good weekend for them. And, uh you know, it should be interesting to see how the Pac-12 plays out now. Uh, kind of interesting. UCLA obviously having a rough go at it, and Arizona State falling off a little bit, and you know Washington and and uh, you know Stanford and USC. That crew is it's going to be it's going to be a fight to the finish, I think. Yeah, rough go of it. I don't even know if that begins to to describe what's happening to UCLA. It's it's almost unheard of. On the other hand, you mentioned Arizona. Arizona State pulled just out the new ABCA top 25. Arizona gets in there to 25. Arizona State, as high as 16, now out, all the way out. But behind Creighton, they're sitting at about 27th. Number one is Texas, two Penn State, three Washington, four SoCal. So SoCal drops all the way down, and Texas finds themselves back up at number one. How about that? And then Stanford, Minnesota, Hawaii, San Diego, Michigan State. Uh, so that's your top ten right now. Deb, we just had on the show here, we had head coach Kathy George of Michigan State. I know you were watching those matches this week, but that was a tough one against Minnesota. Yeah, and that's just a, you know, a pretty rough schedule to go back-to-back. It's two teams that are so roller coaster in Minnesota and Wisconsin that you never really know right now what you're going to get any given night. They just have freshmen in such key roles. You know, freshmen, they have more of a tendency than other players to either go off or just crash and burn. So, you know, Michigan State goes in there, and they've been playing so well, and, you know, they've been chalking up those those wins over really, really nice programs. And I don't know, they just looked a little bit off. And when you're so used to being the team that's dominating, 
it's sometimes hard to bounce back and know how to respond when your game plan starts crumbling. And I think they got themselves into a little bit of that situation against those Minnesota and Wisconsin teams. Yeah, it sounded like Kathy George was, was saying they're going to get back to the video, they're going to get back to basics. Brandon, what do you do when you've been rolling along? Because you've done this in your conference, rolling along, everything's clicking, all of a sudden things kind of go south and, and pretty far south. How do you get yourself back to level? Well, I think the big thing is you've got to look at what's gotten you there and understand that, hey, listen, it's no fluke that you got there, and let's not, you know, you, you said it best with Kathy, don't hit the panic button. There's no need. You know, I think that's the easiest thing. Both of those matches were on the road for Michigan State, and, you know, Kathy said it best. They didn't play their best and, and really came down to the fifth set where, you know, the majority of their errors really kind of shine through. And I think it just becomes one of those deals where you just say, all right, let's take a deep breath. You know, a lot of cases, an extra day off uh, mentally and physically goes a long way. So uh, we, we try to look at that that way and instead of, you know, trying to fix everything. Uh, because a lot of times nothing needs to be fixed. It just says, hey, listen, we had a bad weekend. Let's move forward. And I think uh, showing that trust and that, uh, you know, confidence in your team a lot of times goes a long way. I think all of a sudden when you're trying to change everything, everybody starts to, you know, feel that and uh, they, they feel that panic setting in. Deb, I know you... Right, and I don't think... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, with Michigan State's offensive system, you know, you didn't really feel they made more errors than were characteristic for them. And when they were playing Minnesota, they're going up against Santana Daly, which is, she is just a phenomenal server. She was just clipping off ace after ace. So... You know, for them, it might be as simple as just heading back to the gym and doing some serve and pass and just looking at hard top ten servers and making sure that they are able to get themselves in the system because when they were going on runs, it's when they were able to control the service you fall. Um, and when they got themselves into trouble is when they weren't. I don't think it's really a problem with their system at all. It's just getting themselves to a point where they can actually run their system was what they ran into this weekend. Time to go home and get out the... Franken server. That's what you have to get. Get out the big Franken serving <laughs> machine and start throwing the ball sideways into that. Deb, I know you also went out and saw the Nebraska Purdue match. Or you, you watched that one closely. Yeah, Purdue is a team that's really impressing me. They have Val Nickel, who is a setter opposite, and she is just such a dynamic player, and she has the ability to change games. And I think Purdue is a team that has kind of just been on the verge of our perspective, kind of bumping in, what were they, 24 last week. But they have some nice wins, some five-set battles going on. And, you know, a win against Nebraska, it's a tough defensive team. I think that, that Purdue kind of took advantage of the fact that there are those two freshmen playing on Nebraska. With Nichols on the opposite, they were able to go after them a little bit with their block, and they just took over, and it looked like Nebraska also got into that kind of rattled, not-sure-what-to-do situation. Um, but I still think Nebraska, they have so many so many good players in Kelsey Robinson that I think what you said before about not hitting the panic button is kind of key for them because I don't think Purdue is a team that they necessarily should be walking all over. I think Purdue's a, a pretty strong program that we can look to this season to do some big things and probably chalk up some more upsets similar to that one. I know you both watched this next one and had comments for it. Brandon, I'll start with you on Mizzou, Florida. Uh, we're going to have on the program here in just a little while Wayne Krecklow, but Mizzou just continues to roll, and that's uh, their first victory over a top-five program is huge. Yeah, 23-0 and on the season says a lot. You know, I think them and 
<clears throat> Colorado State are the only uh, unbeaten teams remaining. Uh, you know, SEC's a little bit interesting this year, kind of uh, up and down a little bit. You've got your middle of the pack kind of teams uh, beating up on each other, and, and you've got some teams that uh, traditionally are in the mix that aren't in Tennessee. Uh, but still, you know, Everybody's been watching Florida and commenting on Florida, and I think this is a pretty impressive win uh, for Mizzou. And and to do it in front of a a great crowd, I think they announced 4,500 fans. I think it's one of the first years that uh, both the football team and the volleyball team have beaten Florida. So, uh, you know, they've got two great players in in Molly Craig. Molly Kreklow and Lisa Henning, great combo. Uh, you know, obviously both of them are, you know, in the top ten in the nation in, in their you know, perspective uh, st- statistical category. So it's uh, they're going to be a tough team. You know, I think that as the SEC season rolls on, it's it's not going to get any easier for Mizzou. But at the same time, uh, they've done a really nice job. And, and coaching against Wayne, Wayne does a fantastic job of keeping everybody, you know, pretty level-headed. And and uh, I've I've always been very impressed with what he does. Dev, yeah, give me your thoughts on that match. Oh. Yeah, just adding to that. You know, like you saying, 23-0 and is absolutely insane to go out with that level of consistency. And, you know, looking at their schedule, they have some nice teams that were on that list with those wins. But Florida really was their first really big win against a really good program, and they were number two. So that is a huge match for Missouri, even just to kind of not prove they belong at that top of the pack, but to have a win over such a good program, I think we're going to see them obviously hopping up higher in the polls. I I don't get mine loading as quickly as you guys do, so I can't see what are they at right now. Uh, what are we looking? Who are we talking about here? Mizzou, eleventh. Yeah, eleventh, up from eighteenth. Yeah. So they're making some jumps. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely deserved. Twenty-three and zero. That is a level of consistency, and then to go beat Florida, that's just confidence, and that's a a program that is probably going to be tough to beat for those other SEC teams coming up here soon. They have oh. Auburn and Tennessee upcoming. Only two undefeated teams oh. remain inside the top 25. That's Mizzou and Colorado State sitting there at 11 and 12. Texas is 13 and 2. They are number one. Texas continues to play a light schedule, which is always interesting. They don't have near as many matches and sets as many of the other teams. I always find that to be an interesting setup. For you guys, speaking of games and sets and scores, Deb, you went 4-0 last week. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you picked Washington, Missouri, Marquette, and Creighton. Brandon Rosenthal, uh, sorry, dude, you're one and three. You picked Stanford, Florida, and Butler, all of whom lost, and then you heaped on the back of Deb, just jumped on her, and she carried you to a victory with Marquette. So, uh, yeah, Brandon, you better you need to step up this week. I'm basically setting her up for success. I mean, this is her first year. I didn't want her to leave the show after her first year with bad taste in her mouth. To uh, to just to maybe boost up, I did. Almost correctly call the scores of that Creighton Marquette match. You or said sixteen. Marquette uh, DePaul match. I believe you that said sixteen. That was almost spot on. All right, so sixteen. It was eighteen, nineteen, eighteen. Near as I can tell, here I'm going back through the archives here at the Net Live, which are disorganized at best. <laughs> and Deb, you're ten and two. I know we're missing a week in there somewhere. You probably went four and zero in that one too. But for Brandon's sake, we'll leave it here. Ten and two for Deb in picking games. Brandon Rosenthal five and seven. Uh, Rose, 
do they have a chimpanzee at the Nashville Zoo? Yes, no? Because hey, if I'm they just, do... I'm just telling you, I'm going down the stretch here, okay? If there is a, a chimpanzee bloomer. at the zoo, here's what you have to do. You take the games, you draw them on a big piece of paper, maybe a piece of poster board from your local drugstore. You throw it out in front of the chimpanzee, and maybe it's darts, maybe it's his feces, I don't know, but have them fling them at him, and then you pick based <laughs> on the results of those throws. Man. Dad, see what happens when you try to help this show out? This is the yeah. you get. I'm, I'm the Rodney Dangerfield. Right. Talk you, about great 80s movies. Back to school. Back to school. Great call. Now, back to school was phenomenal. The Triple Lindy. I'm going to throw the Triple Lindy. Triple Lindy. How come we haven't had Caddyshack quotes on here? That's what we really need. All right, Deb, I know you, you had your eye on that Stanford-Washington match. You picked it correctly, so we'll go to you for knowledge about what that match really means. It meant, for one thing, that Washington jumped up to number three from number six. That was one result, and Stanford went from uh, seven to six. So interesting that they both were able to move up on the week. Yeah. You know, that match, it was an absolute battle. The scores back and forth throughout the whole entire time. Both teams kind of looked I don't want to say similar, um, but a lot of things they were both kind of doing, looking the same at it. I think that Howard had a really, really nice match. They almost pulled him back into it there. Um, you know, the thing that I think was the different in this match was the serving. I think that Washington was able to knock them out of their system and off their game. And, you know, when you get yourself to a fifth set, I think it's just anybody's match at that point. You know, it's, the emotions are so high and momentum is such a huge factor that if the team gets rolling, they're going to be hard to stop. And Washington just went into that fifth set with a chip on their shoulder. Van Sanchez came up huge for them. You know, we've brought up her name quite a bit this season. Um, I think I actually threw her out there as one of my player of the year candidates, but I just love the way she plays. She goes up and is not afraid to just attack and attack and attack in those critical points. And I think Washington executed better in those critical points than Stanford did. You know, they struggled getting Wopat involved just because the serving was keeping them a little bit off, so she wasn't putting up her normal numbers for them and wasn't able to take over the match in the way that she normally does. So I think all of that kind of played into the overall outcome. All right, we're going to have to get to Wayne Kreckle here shortly, so we're going to start with the pick'em. Brandon, you get first shot here. Deb had first shot last week. Give us a match and give us your pick. I'm going to go Missouri at Texas A&M. Uh, this should be a great, great match. This is a, a tough week for Missouri to go on the road and a tough place to get to. Uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Missouri. I think they're doing some great stuff. I, I like what Wayne uh, has got going on. Uh, A&M a tough place to play, but I'm going to stick with Missouri. Yep. Yeah, A&M is a tough place to go in and play. Um, you know, they're a team that has, once again, some young players in some key positions getting some time on the floor. So I think they're one of those teams that their record might not reflect it, but they have a lot of potential and upside. So putting them on their home court, I think they might have a shot to upset upset Missouri in this one. I'll take A&M. All right, Texas A&M putting it on the line. Well, you have a, a lot of a room to give here. It's like having 10 match points or something, Deb, for you. No problem. You <laughs> take some chances. Deb, give me uh, your match. Your match yeah, in the I'm pick gonna go here. close to home here with Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, both teams coming off of those big wins over Michigan State. Both of them with young players. You know, Minnesota recently started putting Wilhite out on the right side, and she is a player that I have enjoyed watching. And you got 
Lauren Carlini for Wisconsin, et cetera, and she's another one of those fun dynamic players to watch. It's going to be at the Fieldhouse, which is a tough place to go in and play. Um, speaking of calling upsets, I think I am going to go with Wisconsin in this one, get some home court advantage going. Nice. True to your accent, Wisconsin, picked by Deb. Very good. Ooh, Brandon. My accent. <laughs> I'll take uh, I'll take Minnesota. I think <clears throat> the win against uh, Michigan State is going to help them kind of really get things going here. If you've ever seen Brandon Rosenthal and Hugh McCutcheon at a convention, you would know that they are dressed by the same stylist. Uh, they have the same haircut, and they look almost identical year after year. So he has to pick Minnesota anytime you throw Minnesota That's in right. a match, Deb. Remember that. Brandon, match number two. Got it. <laughs> We're both going as Gru from Despicable Me for Halloween, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Matt Gardhoff, you better pile that one on. Let's go. Brandon, this has been a target-rich environment for Gardhoff awesome. today. All right, hustle up. we got Kreklo coming. I got Michigan, Michigan State, uh, at Michigan State. You don't need to say any more than that. This is a rivalry. Uh, Michigan State coming off a tough weekend. I think they get back on the winning trails. Michigan State. All right, Michigan State. Going with the Spartans over the Wolverines. I don't know. Pack of Wolverines, Jeremy? They're smaller. Yeah, they're smaller. Than Tigers. Got to pick the Spartans. Okay. All right. Deb? (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's a grudge match. So, for both teams in state rivalries, you know, Michigan's going to be looking at Michigan State coming off those losses, and I think that's going to give them some confidence, knowing that there's chinks in the armor and that they're a beatable team. You know, Michigan has a ton of potential, so I think I'll take... I'll take Michigan. I like the way you guys are setting this up. This is excellent. Way to play along. Deb, give me your last match here. All right. I have to go with Florida State and Duke. You know, Florida State's a team, I think they've been a little bit up and down against some of those big teams this season. I think Duke's had some nice wins, and they continue to just show me a lot. They're both 7-1 and one right now in conference play. So I think I'm going with Florida State, though. All right, Florida State. Their program, their football program is also back. Mm-hmm. So, Florida State continue to be good work there by Chris Poole. Brandon Rosenthal, Pickett, it's tough for you. It's it's at Cameron. The Cameron crazies are going to be out and about. Mike Krzyzewski, the guest coach, I'm taking Duke. He's the guest coach? I don't know, but he should be. <laughs> <laughs> Never let the truth get in the hope, way of a good story. Duke, yeah, I hope Duke's uh, volleyball marketing department is listening. New poll just out. Texas back to number one, 44 votes for them, 12 votes for Penn State, four for Washington, only three teams this week receiving first-place votes. We've had it any, at sometimes up to seven teams replacing, or pardon me, receiving first-place votes. Southern Cal on the strength of that loss drops from one to four. You'll find Florida at number five after their defeat at the hands of Mizzou. Stanford, Minnesota, Hawaii, San Diego, and Michigan State are your top ten. Arizona, the only team to drop out of the top 25 this week. They are out there with uh, Oklahoma, UCLA, Cal. Cal State Northridge creeping close. That's good for them. Good for the, the Northridge alumni. People like Chris McGee and St. Mary's also hunting out there with Deb's Iowa State receiving some votes. So, Deb Static and Brandon Rosenthal, thanks very much for another informative section here on College Volleyball Weekly. See you guys on the flip side. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Deb. See you later. There you have it, 10-2, and two, Deb Static. Dominating. Yeah, crushing. Is she in the running for uh, the Net Live? what is it now, third person of the year? What, uh, what, what, number, what, number, what number are we down to now? <laughs>
Whatever we down to. We we might be down to third person of the year. It yeah. was fifth. We could be that low. I think it was fifth man of the year. And uh, actually, we have we have identification, Jeremy, of somebody who called into our chat board. Yes, I heard. Into our waiting for that person to call back. Yeah, we want them to call back. We're trying to get our our other booking agent, who rarely works, Moonlight says an Olympian and gold medalist, read pretty to rebook Jason Ring, who apparently called the show. Yeah, we were in the middle of when we called him out. Had no idea what, what the number was. Yeah, so Jason Ring, if you're hearing us, you can call back. We, we do we have Wayne Crackle yet? Not yet. Oh man got to get Rosenthal on that. Let's take a quick break. We will attempt to round out our guests here. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Net Live, even if you're just a fan of Top Gun yeah. and uh, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. We'll be right back on the Net Live. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Seattle, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. It is definitely all. The best way to see it is to experience it live at the 2013 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 19th and 21st at Key Arena in Seattle, hosted by the University of Washington and the Seattle Sports Commission. Affordable ticket prices now available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today. Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister, know the water's sweet, but blood is thicker. Oh, if the sky comes falling down for you, there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. I want to make sure we thank the ABCA and Volleyball Magazine for their support of this program. We should have a program next week, Jeremy. i got to look at the schedule here, but uh, we're also working on a couple of guests here. Jason Ring, the aforementioned Yeti or Sasquatch. We'll let him decide. Uh, he lives in the Pacific Northwest, so he's probably Sasquatch. Uh, calling in to tell us where he is. Allegedly. Reads text or no, I, I don't know what he means. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to lose him or if he's calling in in two minutes. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know. I saw the pretties this weekend. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Reed made an appearance, came up to the uh, DJ announcer booth. 
I know he feels like he's not allowed up there, but... Three blocks from his house. He has a gold medal. He's allowed up there. <laughs> do whatever he wants. That's yeah. a volleyball event for the rest of his life. Yeah. He'll be like that 80, 90-year-old man careening around some tournament. Oh, back in the day! Yeah. Or like Josh Glacierbrook said, he was only up there for like three seconds. <laughs> I gotta go. Though, it looks like we're working, we're doing stuff. Reed's respecting our space. I get it. He had to get back down and go to lunch with Kelly Slater or something. I don't know. He was watching a good match with his potential beach partner, Jay Gibb. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, 310 702 310 702. 310? Is that Reed? 702 9494? No. I love that you just gave his number out, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, is that Reed Pretty? I don't know. We're going to find out in a second. All right. I can't see it. Neither can I. Pretty? Yes, it is me. Why don't, do I have to go to ATT right now and change my number? Golly. How do I not know? Oh, yeah, you know who else is calling right now, too, is the guy you had his book on the show. Okay, okay. Put I'm him on. on. You take him. I can't wait to listen. Okay. All right. We'll put, uh, we, put on some music for him. Yeah, music? we got to give yeah, him some music. Yeah, yeah, all right. He deserves some music. This is a slow build, too, but it really gets me fired up, so hopefully he gets him fired up, too. This kid came down from the mountains of Oregon into Southern California. He weighed a sprightly 122 pounds. He was six foot three, could barely move and raise his arms. But he trained at L.A. Pierce Junior College, turned himself into quite a good player. He was player of the year his second season. Nearly helped Pierce get to a state championship, but he and his teammates, including one Kevin Barnett, sucked it up at the state finals two years in a row and blew it. He would then go on to Hawaii where he would put on 68 pounds of muscle. He would come back benching 450 pounds and hitting jump serves like a man while jumping 55 inches. On to the national team, he would go where at three foot nine, according to Doug Beal, he would still dominate practices at times. Finally moving to the beach, Jason Ring would go on to win a tournament with George Romaine, Team Muscle, the ultimate warm-up team ever assembled in the history of the sport of beach volleyball, bar none. Suck it, Hovland. We don't know where he is now. He was building homes in Southern California, but he disappeared back into the Northwest. He's the Sasquatch, but he's come out of the forest to talk to us, Jason Ring. Dude. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of info in that thing there. Meanest four footer in the game. <laughs> Jason Ring, you found Dan Landry. Have you been on some sort of search for long lost volleyball players? Unbelievable, right? Coming across that guy out of the woods. Yeah, talk about out of the woods. That's like that's out of the jungles of the Philippines. He didn't. He, uh, he wasn't driving a car. He walked right out of the woods. <laughs> it was unbelievable. He's like the, he's like <laughs> the Unabomber. See him again. Jay, what are you up to? We do this Where Are They Now segment, and we wonder what you've been up to since you abandoned the Southern California lifestyle. I've seen beautiful pictures of your family on Instagram. I see lakes. I see pine trees. What on earth is going on? I saw coffee shops for a while, but I hear that's not the game anymore. Give us an update. Crazy. Uh, so here's what we good at now. I do mining data. Oh, what's going on so, with the audio? I work, for, I work for a software company, help them develop new products. Um, it's, not a, mine, it's all about data, man. I just jump into databases, do stuff that's really dirty, but 
Yeah, I own a bunch of shorts, can't fit in anymore, and I got a couple kids, and just living the dream, man. Just like you, Barney. Hold on, we're having a little audio issue here, but I think what I heard is you work for a software company and you can't fit in your jeans. And really? He, and he has a couple kids, is what I heard. Too. Well, I, the kids will do that to you. <laughs> Can you hear me now? That's a little better, maybe. Yeah. Sometimes it depends on the cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually in, I'm actually in Nashville, see right now. You're in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah Nashville, right now, just for, for the week at a conference. Um, but yeah, man, I have uh, a couple kids and I work for a software company, and I'm really good at mining data. Oh, that's the that's the right place to be, Jason Ring. If there was one thing about you, you were somebody who could identify the right place to be and go to it. <laughs> I just I want to know: are there any ill effects from eating creatine by the spoonful without water? Has that ever affected you badly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, your organs do start to shut down around 38, so be careful. <laughs> I had a had a few little no, it, no, it's all good, man. Yeah, it, apparently, if you eat a bunch of creatine when you're younger. Your board shorts won't fit you when you're older. <laughs> and that's happened. Uh, so I have about 40 pairs of board shorts that uh, don't fit me anymore. Anyone I, looking for a 34, give me a call. <laughs> classic board shorts. Hang on to those a couple more years. Put them on eBay. Those will be classics. Hey, if you're, if you're out there in Nash, Vegas, you need to go to Judge Beans with Brandon Rosenthal. He yeah. needs to find you. You gotta text me your number, and I, we will get you hooked up with Brandon Rosenthal. He'll get you out to Judge Beans and have some uh, Diablo shrimp. That's what you need to have Done. over there. That sounds great. Bacon wrapped shrimp and sausage platters. It's just something else. <laughs> Other than that, Barney, life is good. Living the dream. Couple kids. Um, working on some strength training with my youngest right now. Uh, he just cries a lot, so we're, we're working through that right now. Got his daughter on creatine too, so she's crushing it. <laughs> She's a whopping uh, 28 pounds, but meaner than hell. And so yeah, we're, we're just we're hanging in there, living through, living vicariously through my my bro Reed Pretty, and yeah. the rest of the guys out on the beach that are still crushing it. Wishing I was there, but you know, gotta put food on the table. So here I am. Yeah. Why did you make the decision to move away from the game? Um, I think the construction was actually was going pretty well. Things were going great, and. At that time, everything was still kind of running up, so it was pretty lucrative. And um, you know, sevenths and ninths just don't pay the bills on the ABT, so I had to make a move, and I think it was the right move at the time. And I don't know, I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't even really know what shape the sport's in today. But I like that it's still hanging on by a thread. If that's the case, I kind of see stuff now and again. But um, yeah, you know, just decided to kind of make the move for family life and love my kids. They're awesome. Glad I, glad I did it. I wish I was still playing. I can actually still dunk, barely. I mean, nice. barely, barely. But uh, yeah, it's it's gone. It's gone. It was a good good memories, good times. But it's it's gone. Yeah, I actually dunked last year. My boys were playing basketball. They kept egging me on to dunk, so I was still out there at the playground throwing down some jams. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's not good for me either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a sad state of I affairs. I got completely rim-checked in front of a bunch of uh, dudes that were playing basketball. I went up there like I, in my mind, I could still do it, right? So yep. I went right up to the rim and took off and got completely rim-checked and my knees buckled when I landed. <laughs> and then I went home. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm out. Took your ball and went home. 
<laughs> I didn't want to play anyway. See you guys later. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jay Ring, we got to move on with a guest here, but promise me this. If you're down in SoCal, you got to give us a call and come and sit in for an episode as you did back in the, the very infancy of this, this broadcast. Yeah. Yeah, congrats on your success, too, guys. Loving the show, and I'm happy that uh, you're keeping it alive and keep it going. I mean, there's a lot of us that still, uh, I mean, super great memories, fond memories of, of the, good, the good old days, and so keep the dream alive for us. I still owe you some videotape, Jay. I thought of it, of the Jay and Phil Outdoor Hour, where you teach everyone how to poop in a hole. <laughs> wow. That's right. Yeah, I would appreciate that. That was Thank the you. that was the era before YouTube. That one will have to go up on the site eventually. Here, we'll put that up. Wow. Jason Ring oh, and Phil job. Etherton teaching you how to make a chess piece out of an axe handle and also how to poop in a hole in the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> one take. Thanks, you guys. Keep, keep it going. All right, thanks, Jay Ring. We'll see you later. See you, All right, Jason Ring. Make sure you get us your number, Jay Ring, because. Uh, I'll, first, I'll say it on air like Reed Pretty's, and then yeah. then we'll give it to Brandon Rosenthal. You guys can hook up and, and go to some lunch. It'd be be a lot of fun. Jason Ring and I were roomies at uh, Furby Enjoy Furbringer's wedding. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jay Ring and I roommates on the national team for a while and also uh, teammates at L.A. Pierce Junior College, co-players of the year, second nice. year. So we both claim player of the year honors from uh, Did you feel like you deserved it fully yourself? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I just wish we had won a state championship. That's all I wish because we went – we were 20-0 our first year, uh, a team on which Jay started and I was a backup, and we went to the championship match against Orange Coast College and lost in three straight. We'd never lost the first set of a match the entire season. I don't think we'd ever gone five either. I'd have yeah. to check that out. We lost three straight to Orange Coast. Ooh. The next year, we were 18-2, and two, went into the semifinals, and we lost that one. Won the first set, lost the next three. Ugh. Bad memories there, but... Was it your setter's fault, obviously, because it wasn't your fault? Fun stuff with Jay Ring back on the national team when we were traveling around. I can only imagine. Goofing around. And, I mean, I, I've had so many uh, lunches with Jay Ring where I could not stop laughing. Like, I had, <laughs> I had indigestion because I was laughing too yeah, hard. Yeah, couldn't finish your meal. And then I would skip everything else I was doing to go play Twisted Metal in his room on the PlayStation. Oh, I love Twisted Metal. It was so good. So good. I was really good with Mrs. Grimm. Oh. I would annihilate people with and the Mrs. first Grimm. twisted metal. Like the second one was, eh, it was the first. The original one was the best one. Oh, and I take it back. Thumper. I love Thumper because I could freeze you and oh, then I yeah. could put you in the flame torch. Yeah, yeah. J Ring probably better than me at twisted metal. Although I'll never admit it with him on the phone. <laughs> so, Jason Ring checking in. All right, let's get our next guest. We have more music. We're, this show is packed, Jeremy. We're going to have to wrap it up ourselves at like twelve fifteen. Our next guest in his thirteenth season at Missouri. Began coaching at Columbia College. He's been at Mizzou since 2000. Has an opportunity to coach with his wife, which is a rather unique thing. They are a top-flight combination there at the head coaching spot. They just posted their first-ever win over a top-five team. As mentioned earlier on this show, they are 23-0 and on the season. Continue to be one of only two undefeated inside the top 25. That was that 3-1 victory over number two Florida that began to push them even further up the poles. I believe they're sitting at number 11 now. Welcome into the Net Live for the first time, Wayne Kreklo. Wayne, are you there? I am here, guys. Hey, thanks for calling into the show. Congratulations on, wow, what a remarkable season so far. Is this what you expected, or this has to have exceeded any expectations you had at the beginning of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Going back to August, to, to think that we'd be sitting where we're sitting right now was certainly, you know, something that we weren't expecting. And I thought we had a chance to be pretty competitive, but, you know, you, you know, 
it's a crazy business. You never know how things are going to fall together, and we're just pretty fortunate right now. Now, I mentioned the fact that you coach with your wife, and I see your wife is listed as a head coach for about half the seasons. Now you. Tell me how that works. Well, we've been doing this uh, together for a long time, so probably going back almost about 20 years now. So, um, you know, usually what I always tell people is if I think we're going to be pretty good, we're going to flip-flop, I'll be the head coach for a while. And <laughs> if we look like we're going to struggle a little bit, she can take over. So <laughs> we we, we kind of switched around every now and then. But, but overall, it's uh, you know, we've been pretty lucky. You know, we've been able to make it this far and still be together. So, well, I'm looking back at the records here. You should have sold her on 2008 that she should have been the head because you guys were 13 and 17 that year. The next year, you kind of reversed that trend, 18 and 14. But since then, boy, you've been very good the last couple of seasons, 22 and 11, then 21 and 13. I don't, I don't see your number, your 12 record on here, but obviously the 23 and 0, a, a great record for this year. What do you think the, the key is with your relationship uh, with your with your wife? Susan, to, to forming an effective partnership? Because we've seen other husband-wife combinations, and they say it's, it's always tough to get away from the office. What do you guys do to cope with it and be effective as a team? Well, I, yeah, you know, I think we've, we've been pretty fortunate because, it, and again, it wasn't anything we went into, you know, we planned on doing. It just kind of evolved that way. And, and I think, you know, what, what makes it possible for us to have done it this long is, is I think, one, um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're both pretty uh, easy just in terms of uh, no one cares who, who uh, gets credit. No one really cares, uh, you know, about a lot of superficial things like that. And, and, and it just so happens that I think, you know, what one of us does really well, uh, maybe the other one's not quite as strong yet. So our, I think our strengths and weaknesses kind of match up and, and fit pretty well. I mean, not I'm more of a, you know, she's really good at, at, at you know, grinding out things that got to be done, um, and she's really good at, at uh, you know, interacting, you know, with the players. Um, I'm more of a, I'm, I've got to be doing stuff, you know, I'm more of a, uh, of a hands-on guy, so I, I really enjoy the, you know, the video, the practice planning, the running the practices, the, I even put, I put the nets up, I take them down, I fix things, I, I just can't, you know, I have a hard time sitting behind a desk. <laughs> Putting the nets up and down, that's for the freshmen to do. Come on now. Yeah, I, I like it, though. It's, it's like, you know, it's just something that keeps me busy. And, and I can get it, I'm, you know, the kids give me a hard time because I'm always measuring the nets, uh, <laughs> making sure, you know, they're, I, I just have a net. I, I carry a tape measure with me. <laughs> I'm measuring stuff on the road. You know, hey, this is a quarter inch off, so we got to fix this. And, but they're always laughing because I'm always messing around with nets. All right, we'll take the family connections one step further. You've gone so far as to recruit your niece, Molly Kreklow, who is your starting setter. Uh, that's the daughter of your brother, Mike? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. We were just talking about and, uh, Michigan State and their recruiting advantages. Tell me about the recruiting advantage you had in this situation. Well, it was, it was a little bit. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was an interesting process, though, um, and obviously – you know, having that relationship was great, but but at times though it it actually can work against you too because mm-hmm. you know the one thing that we were very uh, I think aware of and very sensitive to is, is I wanted to make sure that you know if she came here it was because she really wanted to come here and didn't feel any family pressure because 
uh, you know, we just had these nightmares, you know, about five, ten years from now at family reunions, you know, and having her still hate us because we made her come here. Right. Um, but, you know, so it was, it, we, we really kind of uh, really took time, and she made a lot of visits, and at the end of the day, uh, I think she made her decision much like any other person would, and she just felt like it was the right place, the right time, and and uh, fortunately for us, she made that decision because she's been a great, great player for us. Another great player you have is Lisa Henning. She's averaging 4.28 kills per set. She's also serving a ton. Tell us a little bit about her. Well, Lisa's been really a great kid for us for all four years. I mean, she came in, started right from the very first match her freshman year. Um, and, you know, Lisa's one of those rare kids. And, you know, I, I get questions all the time from other coaches and other people, like, you know, does she ever have any shoulder issues? Because she is swinging at tons of balls every match. Uh, and she plays just uh, – she practices just like she plays. And, and uh, you know, she has never had any issues – uh, but she is just a swing, and, and what's really been great for us and what she does really well is she's almost more effective out of the back row than she is in the front row, and she's really developed that part of her game, and, and we can use her everywhere. I mean, we'll run her on picks, on Ds, on pipes, uh, and that makes it really tough for opponents because she's just not attacking, you know, out of one spot. She's all over the back line, and, and it really causes uh, – some issues for opponents. Elisa well, has picked up ABCA All-American honors. She has she's the career leader in kills there, or a school record for kills in a season. Those are some some very special numbers. I noticed one thing about your lineup here: you have four players that have played all 75 sets, and one that has played 74 sets. Uh, is that a huge advantage for you? The ability to put the consistent lineup out there on the floor? Yeah, no question, no question, and particularly in terms of of what we're trying to do offensively because, we, you know, we've got – we're a team we're, – we're kind of a system team. We, we really don't have, you know, the big physical, you know, bangers on the pins where we can just throw up high balls and let them rip it. Uh, so having those people available on a consistent basis really allows us to really work on the, the little fine kind of nuanced things in, in the offense where we can run, you know, tempo, we can run – you know, people around, and, and you know, it's, it's hard to do if you don't have access to those people on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm looking at your service numbers here. Uh, service aces, you have 136 service aces on the year. You've only given up 68. You're winning that serve-receive battle. How is it that you're coaching serving? You have three players, four players, over 20 aces on the season and one with 19. That seems uh, simply remarkable. You don't see that on a lot of other teams. Yeah, I – you know what, I, 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 to be honest with you, you know, we were probably doing similar things to what we've always done in terms of just working on that part of our game, but we're just, we're just lucky that we've got some kids that are just pretty consistent with it. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I keep looking at those numbers and, and I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's going to drop once we get into conference play or once we start playing, you know, some of these, some of these you know, high-level opponents. But, for, you know, we just keep shipping away at it and, and, uh, you know, we try to be aggressive with it. But, uh, you know, what, what's also really kind of, to me, what's remarkable about those numbers is is we've only got one jump server, and, and she really doesn't serve a lot of aces. So all those aces are coming from our, you know, our, our jump flow people. So wow. I think it's just consistency, and, and uh, we're just pretty lucky. 
Wow, all jump float aces. Well, you're doing something right in that aspect of the game. Hey, notice in your bio that you coached your son, Rick, who now plays basketball at CSUN out here to a, an AAU national championship. Interesting to start coaching basketball at the same time you're coaching volleyball. Was there anything you learned along the road there with the youth kids that you then applied back to your work with volleyball? Well, yeah, you know, it, it's. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, working with the younger kids like that, uh, I, I think kind of just reinforced, I think, how to get, or at least how I think, you know, how to get kids, or, you know, whether they're 14 or whether they're 21. I, I guess I'm old enough. I still call 21-year-old people kids. But they, um, you know, just, just trying to get them to, to – to play, and, and I think, you know, we've just tried to take a, a very constructive and, and positive approach and, you know, try to get kids to enjoy what they're doing, and I think at the end of the day, you know, if, if they have fun, um, they're going to come to practice with a better attitude, they're going to work harder, and, uh, you know, so I, I think going back and forth, I, I think that, you know, that really kind of, you know, hit me, like, there's not a whole lot of difference in, in, in approach to a kid who's 14 or one that's 20. You know, they're still playing the game because they like it. And I think as long as you can kind of keep that that fun involved, you're going to have kids that are going to play hard for you. Yeah, keep the fun. I like that aspect. That should, that should be true even when you're playing professionally, even with all the pressure there. It should still be fun. I wonder, Wayne, with your college experience, have you at Drake here in 1980, what was your introduction to the sport, and how much were were you a player? When did you start getting involved with volleyball? Well, it, actually, it's, it's kind of a long story, but I, I grew up in Wisconsin, and uh, we had uh, boys' high school volleyball in Wisconsin, which I played. And, uh, of course, back at that time, there, there were no or very few avenues for, for the guys and, and uh, the basketball stuff was a little bit farther advanced for me, so I went to college, obviously, to Drake to play basketball. Uh, but then while I was at Drake, I was lucky enough to have the men's club team there was coached by the women's uh, coach. And so I just kept playing throughout the years. I played there in the off season at Drake, and then after I finished at Drake, I, you know, every spring I'd, I'd hook up with a different club uh, club team, and I eventually gravitated towards a team uh, with several guys who had played collegiately. One uh, guy by the name of Craig Sherman played at Ohio State as a setter back in the day, um, and these guys were coaching women's teams. Uh, and so when I finished playing basketball, uh, he was coaching here at Mizzou. Uh, I came down to finish up a master's degree, and, and that was in 1990, and I've been here ever since. How is it recruiting to Missouri? You know, it, it's it's actually really pretty good. Um, we're in a great location. I would say it's gotten considerably better the last ten years because the Midwest, in general, is starting to is starting to put out a lot of really high level players. There's a lot of great kids coming out of St. Louis, Kansas City areas, right? Um, the Springfield area down south. Uh, has put out some really good kids, and, and, you know, Nebraska obviously puts out a lot of good kids. So it, it really it is, it has become a very, very good place to, to be. And, and I think the move to the SEC has been really good. Um, I think that's great for all of our sports here at Mizzou. And, and I, you know, really, we're, we're pretty happy. 
Yeah, you guys did change conferences recently. You feel good about that change? What were your – did you have any apprehension about that change? Well, it, it was always, you know, we were a little apprehensive during the process because, uh, you know, for, for people that, that didn't follow that real, real closely, um, you know, there was about a, a six-month period here where there were a lot of us in the Big 12 at that time that weren't sure – what was going to happen to that league, where we would end up, and everybody was just hoping and praying you'd end up in a major conference someplace. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, uh, when, when the decision was made to go to the SEC, it was, it was a really good move, I think, at the time for our university. Uh, you know, the SEC is, is probably the most, you know, stable long-term conference out there. It's a great football conference, and obviously with the, with the revenue that was being brought in, it's going to allow us to do really great things at Mizzou. And, and, uh, and, and you know, the SEC is, is, is really a strong volleyball conference. I think as of last week, uh, I was, I'm almost positive we had seven SEC schools in the top 30 in the RPI. So uh, it's, it's, volleyball is really, really coming on in the SEC. Yeah, changing conferences isn't easy. Ask Beth Lanier and Liz Kritza of Utah and Colorado. They're finally having success here in their third season. You mentioned the upcoming matches you have. You'll be facing LSU and Texas A&M. Before we let you go, give us just a a, a rough sketch of your team personality-wise as a whole. What kind of volleyball are folks going to see? They get an opportunity to get out to a Mizzou match. Well, this is a really fun group, and I think we play – um, you know, we're a very up-tempo team. We, we, we try to play relatively fast. I think we're, we're, we excel, I think, right now, our kids in the transition game. Uh, and if, if there's one word that, I, you know, sums up this group to me, it's personality. I think people love watching these guys because they play with some personality. There, there's smiles. Um, there's some emotion. We were laughing uh, uh, we were talking about one of our freshmen who's doing a great job for us, Carly Khan from Hawaii. And, and just what's indicative of this whole group is we're playing Sunday, and, and there's a, a rally in the fourth game, and it's a tight back and forth. And Chloe Mann from Florida went up and just crushed the ball out of the middle and literally bounced it off her leg. She's on the floor, and, you know, most kids would be embarrassed and, and be done. And I look at Carly, see if she's okay, and she gets up and she's laughing. I mean, she is just laughing. Um, and she get right back in there. You know, they served her. She got a pass. We got a side out. And that's just kind of what these, you know, the whole team just enjoys, uh, I think, the, the process and the competition. And they're really fun to watch. Great presence for a freshman, Carly Kahn. Good job. And, uh, Wayne, thanks for being a nice presence here on our show and giving some of your time to us. Continued good luck in the rest of the season. We'll, we'll see you in the field at 64. Good luck in the playoffs. Great. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Wayne Krecklow, head coach down there at Mizzou. That's University of Missouri. Checking in here on the Net Live. And, Jeremy, I like that. It should be fun. Keep the fun. That To me, that's that's true. I was thinking about my my flag football team actually because talking about coaching. Well, coaching youth fun. sports on up to professionals, there isn't a tremendous amount of difference. You're still working on the fundamentals of the game. When I was on the national team, still working on passing, still working on setting. It's not like you can just abandon the fundamentals. True. But you have to remember that it that it's supposed to be fun. Well, and particularly in the professional setting or high level college setting, sometimes you lose that perspective that hey, this is just supposed to be a good time. And yeah, it's serious. Yeah, you're serious about it, but it's supposed to be fun, too. Well, it's also a game still, let's be honest. Everything's a game. Yeah. Jason Ring works for a software company mining data. That's a game.
Everything's maybe a not, game. Maybe not as fun as starting out on the beach. We're not winning Nobel Peace Prizes here, no matter, or, or you're not winning a Nobel Peace Prize in a software company. Unless you're solving hunger in Africa, pretty much it's a game. It's just a different kind of game. True that. I'm with you. I don't see how sports is any less important than than some guy out pushing paper for, you know, whatever. Teachers, probably a little more important. Correct. But a lot of what people do in companies and stuff, it's no more important than sports. It's just something else. Some other game, some other business game. People should under learn to underestimate their importance, not overestimate it. I'm with you on that. Your just knees probably aren't as sore by sitting behind a desk. Oh, they might be. Just sitting behind a desk? Ask Jason Ring how his knees are doing, yeah. Yeah, but because of his athleticism. Not well, that's true. Behind a desk. That's true. That's a good point. Well, wow. We've got to get back to the beach here. I just yeah, want to I summarize. The whole entire show is indoor. Wow. We had Kathy George. We had Wayne Kreklow. We had Jamie Gordon. We had College Volleyball Weekly. Jamie, you haven't said ten words, so get us back to the beach. We Reed called in Santa. for a few minutes and was mad ass. We didn't recognize his phone number. We had Jason Ring. Jason Ring. Oh what else God, could we, we do? We pulled the Sasquatch of the volleyball world right <laughs> out of the north. It was in Tennessee, by the way. Yeah, we're hooking him up with Rosenthal for sure. All right. Nick Lucena, Theo Bruner. Yep. First win. Congratulations to them. But there are some other potential milestones in the offing. Correct. Going into this tournament, Kerry This Lee, tournament being Huntington Beach. Huntington Beach. ABP, ABP this past weekend. Kerry Lee Walsh Jennings. Kerry Lee Walsh Jennings. I'm not saying that. I said it. So when I'm it. announcing it, I'm not saying that. I'm sorry. No more hyphens. No more middle names. And definitely not middle names with hyphens. Anyways. Kerry Jennings. Kevin. I should just mute How about just Carrie? She's just Carrie. She's a one name. She's People know her as Carrie. She's yeah, Madonna. For sure, sure. She's just Carrie. Um, she was tied with Misty May Trainer for the most wins all time by female in beach volleyball history. So if she would have won this weekend, she would be numero uno. Okay. And so still has that chance to uh, get that title this year. So that storyline was going in there. Dustin talked about it a lot on the microphone. Carrie was excited about it. The NetLive tweeted about it. Carrie retweeted it. Um, that was a big deal. And she made it. They made it to the semifinals where they came up against Lauren Fendrick and Brittany Hochaber. The litigator. The litigator, also known as the long arm of the law. That's right. And uh, came up a little short. Didn't make it to the finals. Um, I'm sure it was a little disappointing for them. And disappointing. Story-wise, I mean, would it have been a great story domestically for that to happen? Yeah, I remember when Misty did it. She did it in, I think it was Hermosa. Or was it, man? I think it was Hermosa where she uh, passed Holly McPeak and got to uh, 73 career wins at that point. Uh-huh. And then now they're both at 112. True. And because of that topic came up, like, could she catch Karch? What's he at? One forty-eight, I think. Forty-eight. Okay, I knew it was somewhere near one forty. So she's at one twelve. One twelve. Have to get to one forty-eight. You know, unfortunately for her, there just aren't as many opportunities. That was my point. Then that's not, none of her doing. Because back in the day, her and Misty were winning everything. Ten events on domestically a year. Right. So you have ten right there automatically, and then however many they were winning internationally each year as well. Well, maybe that came close to evening out to what Karch used to have. What did they have? How many AVP stops did they have at the, the max? But Oak told me at one point, like, they had 20-something in a year, but maybe that could have been internationally as well. Like, he was basically playing every single weekend. I have to go back and look at the AVP history and look at matches, or pardon me, number of tournaments they had, because they used to dominate the schedule. I mean, it was every oh, weekend. Sure. It wasn't like now where you have a match, and even 2010 where you would have a tournament and then three weeks off. 
Well, this year we did uh, we had five weeks in a row. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, five weeks in a row. You're definitely getting rid of them. Dustin and I were talking about because this time we had basically three weeks, two full weekends, three weeks off. Um, Dustin and I were driving to the tournament Friday morning and uh, talking about like, oh, like it's you feel like you're in really good rhythm, you know, doing those five weeks in a row, and all of a sudden you have a little bit of time off, and you have to kind of get that rhythm back, which we got back pretty quickly, but it was just funny that that was even a topic mm-hmm. because you're, you know, you're off, you know. I wasn't doing volleyball for two of those three weeks. I did go to Florida for part of it. but um, So that was a big storyline going into the tournament. Would Casey Patterson and Jake Gibb win their fifth in a row? Right. By the way, because they were on a four-tournament wow. win streak. Including the Demet. miraculous ability to win two tournaments at one tournament. Yes, which is you won <laughs> the Santa Barbara two Open. Two tournament victories yeah, at one You tournament. won two tournaments in one tournament. Yeah, one weekend. It's a good job by them. It's pretty <laughs> impressive if you really think about it. It's really impressive. I mean, what, what two tournaments? They won, they won Santa Barbara and they won which one? St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. So somehow they were able to teleport from Florida from Florida to Santa Barbara. Win it in Santa Barbara and then win the Santa Barbara. Win it in, yeah, win it in Florida and then win it in Santa Barbara. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and I know, obviously, Casey and Jake train in Huntington Beach and Casey lives a hop, skip, a jump away from Reed Pretty, who is occasionally in Huntington Beach. Um, so we hear. Yes, I know that they really, they really wanted this tournament, and uh, they were playing really well. And they just they came up against Nick and Theo, and to get to the finals, and Nick and Theo were playing really well. Um, Casey, it looked like he wasn't reading the ball very well for part of the match, and then when he finally was picking up all the digs, it was a little bit. Um, he was overpassing on the digs. Like they're really, oh, tight, wasn't controlling. really tight to the yep. net or they were going over a little bit. Just, and it was just little, little things. Um, and obviously it's not all on him. I mean, Nick and Theo won, but it was just some of those little things could have gone one way or the other. And, you know, and maybe, you know, do you blame that on the way Nick was swinging or the way Theo was playing? So you couldn't read them as well. Um, but also another storyline of that is that Rich Lamborn was coaching said Nicholas and Theo this weekend. Yeah. Um, also known that Rich was helping Jake and Casey Patterson to start the season as well, help Casey Patterson with his footwork to switch sides and things like that. So um, there's a little bit of storylines. I just tweeted Rich earlier. was kind of needling him a little bit because uh, the coaches never sat in when they were on stadium court. They didn't sit in the cars. They sat on like a little fold-out chair next to the car, so it almost looked like they were in timeout, like they were <laughs> like they were being punished. You sit outside the car until you think about what you've done. <laughs> I've done that. Yes, you know. I've threatened to leave a kid on the curb. Yes, we've had the battle of uh, we had the battle of uh, very fit coaches when uh, Nick and Theo were playing Jake and Casey. You had uh, Tyler Hildebrand versus uh, Rich Lamborn. They were both buff, very buff. Um, so we thought maybe they could just do like a Volus match, one-on-one run coaches to see who <laughs> win that. That could be the tiebreaker. Yeah, that yeah. could have been the uh, in between the finals. You could have had that little uh, exhibition. So, um, all right, can I get upset for a second? Of course, just for one. Oh well, there's that. Okay, yeah, there's Fatmas, but okay, fine. I, I had a hard time finding the headline of who won on AVP's own website. Oh no, it's there. Just it wasn't easy. No. Okay, so Fatma Sweat win. Good yeah. for them. In three. In three, okay. Very nice. Over Fender. Their first, I know they won a shootout in Milwaukee, I think it 
think it was 2011. Um, but it wasn't open. This is their first open victory for Fatma Sweat. Very nice. Yeah. So congratulations to them. Oh, Annette Davis and Morgan Miller playing. Morgan getting her yeah. best finish domestically as a fifth. They played really well. They got written up in uh, USA Today this weekend, too. saw an article about Morgan Beck, aforementioned, now Morgan Miller, married mm-hmm. to Bodie Miller. Correct. And a write-up about them. Some disturbing things have gone on. Not disturbing. Tough. Let's say tough. Disturbing is the wrong word. Disturbing it. Yeah, correct. They, tough things. Yeah, yeah. For, for Morgan Miller, who married Bodie Miller after a whirlwind month-and-a-half courtship and then discovered that Bodie had fathered a child by another woman and not and while, cost, but not while fight. him and Morgan were together. No, but Let's then there was a custody fight for that child. Just crazy stuff. That's a that's a lot of drama to deal with. That's a for lot, sure. A lot to deal yeah. with in the beginning of your marriage. Yep. I mean, um, not everyone gets to 13 years to just be on cruise control delivering flowers. Did get a good text back, by the way. Rock. Basically, you're dominating your anniversary so far. So far, okay. little sister tonight will be even more because she doesn't know we're going there. Gotcha. She doesn't know I have a sitter because she's not listening to the show right now. Is what you're saying? She's working. <laughs> it's not time to listen to this garbage. Yeah. But Morgan Miller and Annette Davis, they beat Papa Sweat first round, and they beat Day Nielsen, hmm. and they lost to Ross and Jennings, but in three. Why isn't Emily Day playing with her other partner? No, that would be April Ross and Carrie Walsh Jennings, not Summer Ross. No, you said Day before. Did I? Oh, Day Nielsen. Day, it was, it's um, Sarah Day. I apologize. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Don't panic. Don't panic. I was all bamboozled there for a yeah. second. <laughs> so, Davidson Miller took a fifth. Morgan's best finish domestically. Congratulations, congratulations to her. Yeah. But Bob Sweat, congratulations to them. I mean, they've been... That's awesome. They've been grinding for years, knocking on the door. You know, they got a silver this year in the international event as well. Um you know, they both do things really well. Like, everybody talks about Brooks' defense, and then Fatma, you could tell, like, she's taking that next-level step up. I think she's playing in an international event. I don't think it's China. I think it's Thailand at the end of the year. I think she's playing. Oh, there's always that one odd think, event yeah, later, I think yeah. she's playing with Kessie in that event. Um, oh, very cool. And there was no Whitney Pavlik this weekend, by the way. A lot of people were asking about that. I heard that she had a, uh, a shoulder issue and had a procedure done. So she did not play in this tournament, so Jennifer Kessie played with Rachel Scott. Oh, shoulder. I thought you said stroller issue for no, a second. No, no stroller issue. Shoulder. <laughs> shoulder. Like, there's something I haven't heard. Correct. Shoulder issue. All right. Well, congratulations to the winners. Fatma Sweat, Lucena Bruner. And it was fun for me. I mean, Fatma Sweat and Nick and Theo, like, when the finals came around, like, there was somebody new was going to win a tournament. You know, that was exciting for me. I don't know if the fans really appreciated or understood that as well as I did, but uh, very excited for the winners. You know, obviously, you know, I'm sure Britt and Lauren would like to win. I would like to see them get a W as well, but all of my friends can't win each tournament, Kevin. That's right. There's only one winner. Yeah, a, the rest aren't doing a good job. Yeah, apparently. According, <laughs> according to you. According to the Net Live. By the way, thanks to one of our listeners. I can't remember the name offhand. It was Brian, but Brian O'Keefe maybe, who uh, put up on the website that it is not the associative property of volleyball the transitive property of volleyball. Transitive. So I have made the correction and continue to drop the transitive property of volleyball. Nice. If Team A beats Team B yes. and Team C beats Team A... What time does the train get to Team Chicago? Team C would beat Team B, the transitive property <laughs> okay. of volleyball. I'm very confused. We've been but... playing with that one. Gotcha. So, so, for instance, when Colorado defeated then number one Washington... Yes. 
And then Colorado was defeated by unranked Wyoming. Correct. By the transitive property of volleyball, Wyoming would defeat Washington. Gotcha. That makes more sense about the ABC. Yes. I need like a pie chart or a graph. (laughs) That's right. So train A leaves the the, the AVP station. That's what happened in my head right there. What's what's happening right now? But thanks. I want to thank everybody for my completing my 10th season. DJing oh. for the AVP. Congratulations. Or DJing for Pro Beach Where's the applause? No applause? I, I can't applaud myself. Can sure you can. Sure. It's my show. I hit the button. I applaud you. Jeremy Roche. Jeremy our, Lyon. Our live studio audience. Thank you, everybody. Jeremy Lyon. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Couldn't have done it without you. I've worked hard for this moment. Yeah. Uh, Everything I have. I think I got a t-shirt. A stack of pen on it. <laughs> or should I, get, I should get a hat with a big X. <laughs> a big X. Yeah. Don't be confused for being a Muslim. Correct. No, that would be for Roman numeral 10. I know, but there's Malcolm X. That's true. It was a black and white hat with an X on it. That's true, back in the day. Um, But somebody asked me earlier, like, did I think this season was successful for the AVP? And I asked Oh, good question. Depends on what their definition of successful is. I think next year will determine if this year was a success, if that makes sense. But only on the level of, I don't know what you're laughing at. Keep going. I see it. Um, <laughs> financially, was it a success? I have no idea. Um, was it a success for? They put on great events, in my opinion. Okay. They loved Manhattan. That was my favorite. On they TV. put on great events. The players were happy. The fans got to see a great product. Um, and you could tell, uh, and hopefully the fans and players could tell that the new ownership actually really does care about. And they are in 100%. Now, what that means in the long term, I don't know, because I'm not privy to the future plans. Um, Donald was quoted in an article recently saying that they're um, looking to do eight events next year, so that would be one more than this year. So that's a little bit of a growth. So that's a good sign. Glad to know he's in for next year. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, I, I think the product is the players. And a good product was put out on the beach domestically this year. You had four different teams win on the men's side. You had five different teams win on the women's side, and I think that says that there is some good competition at the top. And it's not a guarantee who's going to win every week. Okay. And I'm, and I'm, you know, you had almost a guarantee for a long time. You had Phil and Todd were dominating. You had Kerry and Misty dominating. Right. Um, and now you still have teams that could potentially dominate, but uh, it's not a guarantee they're going to be in the finals every week. I was laughing at Josh Glazebrook's comments. In other words, Jeremy has outlasted the tour twice. I've been around a long time, yes. You have. <laughs> but yeah, thanks to everybody, uh, the staff, Donald and his wife. Cool. They didn't have to bring me back. Hey, Donald, glad you're here, man. Yeah, no doubt. People think I hate the AVP. No, I just hate the situation that the sport is in. That's what I hate. That, and the, and dif- it, the difference is it's the sport. You're, we're concerned about the sport. And like I tell people when I say things, or I want, it's because I want things to be better. I'm, I want... If you read the tea leaves with honesty, you're concerned. Correct. Yeah, it's not, I'm not bashing anybody. I'm it's not blaming anybody for anything. I'm not saying you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong. I'm not doing any of that. I, I want the sport to be successful. And that's coming from a fan perspective for me. You know, I know. I'm with you. Yep. Let's wrap this up. All right. Thanks to Kathy George, Wayne Kreklow, Jamie Gordon, Deb Static, Brandon Rosenthal, Jason Ring, 
Jeremy Roche for being here for a number of years and contributing to this show all the time. You can be my wingman anytime. anytime. No, Kevin. You can be mine. <laughs> there we go. Uh, there it. we go. Nailed it. The Barnett Anniversary Edition of the Net Live has come to a close. I'm looking at my calendar right now, Jeremy, trying to decide if we're going to be back next week. I am assuming you are in town. Yes. It looks as though I could be here. I was trying to schedule with Marv, but uh, I would suspect we will be here. If we are not here this week, I suspect we'll be here, or pardon me, not here on Monday next week. A Tuesday could be possible, but right now, plan on Monday. We will let everybody know ASAP. Plan on Monday, folks. And now it's Clippers and UCLA for me, so I'm in town. Awesome. Get out there and have a great week. Hope you can get a chance to play some volleyball if you live in one of the areas of the country where it's not snowing or raining sleet just yet. Out here in Southern California, it's going to be a beautiful week. Hit the beaches. We will see you next week on The Net Live. For Kevin and Jeremy, we are out. Volleyball Magazine, the only print publication covering all aspects of the sport you love. VBM has been publishing the latest in volleyball news for over 35 years. With exclusive photo galleries, player interviews, event coverage, product reviews, and volleyball-specific health and fitness advice, Volleyball Magazine is a great resource for players and fans of all levels. Now with an even more robust online presence, check out VolleyballMag.com to subscribe and find exclusive web content and articles. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, Volleyball Mag is the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.